Thanksgiving, when I was younger, much younger, high schoolish younger, this was the day that I fasted. I literally would not eat the day before Thanksgiving so that I was starving for Thanksgiving Day. And uh, typically that meant that I would eat a pumpkin pie by myself. I could put one of those babies away and then the full dinner as well. So I don't do that anymore. I don't eat as much as I used to anymore. But still, you know, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. I don't know about you, Russ, and I don't know about you, Zach, but Thanksgiving is, you know, it, it is a a American holiday. I got to the point, Dave, in my age now, I can't afford to eat as much as I used to. It's hard enough to lose the poundage that I've already put on in the 51 years that I've been around. But to go and sit down and eat 10 pounds of food tomorrow ain't going to happen, Captain. You know, it seems almost impossible to me that you're 51 now. That just means that you're that much older I know. Than I'm me, older than that. I mean, I realize that means I've gotten older, too. But still, how old were you when you came uh, over to the other station? What, 39, 40? I don't remember exactly. It had to have been somewhere in my 40s. You're a lot younger guy. It just doesn't seem possible to me that you're 51 now. Hey, my wife went and found pictures of me when I was when I was doing the uh, the Sean and Wally show, and I yeah. had I, I had the chrome dome look like you. I had more forehead going in those <laughs> pictures. It's it's hilarious to look at. I've actually got hair back on my head now that I'm out of that joint. What did you put? Uh, what are you using? That stuff that you rub in? On no, the man. If I were rubbing anything on my head, I wouldn't have any hair. <laughs> All right, so what's turkey tomorrow? What's the uh, big uh, rust special dish that you're making? Dude, I'm making a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to go home right now and work on a pumpkin pie. Uh, I'm going to make some gingerbread. Um, I've got you're doing cheese, cheese grits, grits right? I've got uh, a uh, I've got dressing. Mm-hmm. I've got to make. Already made the cornbread because I made dressing for uh, church community church wide community uh, supper that we that the church put on. Sunday night, cool. and so I've got the cornbread ready for the cornbread dressing. All right. Yeah, this is going to be kind of weird for me. This will be the first Thanksgiving ever that either my mother was making Thanksgiving or I <clears throat> was making Thanksgiving, because I've always done all the cooking for Thanksgiving, and it, just because of where I'm at I right gotta now. Do, i got to do sweet potato casserole, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zach, 
wanted sweet potato casserole. My wife wanted sweet potato casserole. You put the miniature marshmallows on the what top. He wanted, he wanted, he, he wanted a pumpkin pie. So I got to make that. Yep. So you putting the miniature marshmallows on the uh, on the yams? No, I think I'm actually going to do the crumble on the top. Oh, okay. I'm a big. I'm. I. I got to have. I got to have the uh, the marshmallows melted on top. I'm just telling you. And then you got to brown them. You know, you got to do the. Got to you. Got to do the broiler and brown them on the top. It's either not set them on fire, the but just brown them on top. And I think this year I'm going to do the pecan crumble. Okay, well, I've done the cool. marshmallows before. Well, you have a great Thanksgiving. Get your butt out of here. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you and to Zach here and to David Ray, who's on the phone coming up for you here in just a second. Okay, and happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. I appreciate. I am thankful for all the listeners that are out there listening to our stations here in Central Arkansas. There's a lot of them. I'm just telling you, after being in the hospital for a week and everybody who came in my room said, I listen to you every day. Uh, it was like, well, get me well so I can go back to work. <laughs> they're, they're unfortunately just not telling anybody that they're listening Yeah, not to enough. Us. Not enough. But we're doing a lot better. So what can I say? That's good. Let, let me talk to David Ray. Put him up there. What's going on, David Ray? Happy Thanksgiving, brother. Hey, Dave. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your listeners as well. Yeah, I got to tell you, I'm all I'm all fired up. It's different this year for me because since I can't prepare Thanksgiving, I am paying Kroger to do Thanksgiving for me. And we're not even doing turkey this year. We're doing prime rib. How's that one for you? Hey, I'm not I'm not so tradition bound that I'm against that. I, I wouldn't turn down prime rib any day of the week. <laughs> prime rib's good. It's just good stuff. All right, so you're running for District 40. How are things going for you? Things are going great so far, Dave. I will tell you, um, you know, this campaign is off to a great start. As I go around the district and talk to citizens, the the refrain that I hear over and over is that they want to be represented by someone uh, who is a conservative, um, who is, you know, solidly pro-life, who is pro-Second Amendment, and who will work to make sure that government doesn't grow out of control. In other words, keep their taxes low. Make sure that state government lives within its means when it comes to spending. Um, Things like that are very important um, to folks in District 40. Uh, which is pol- part of Pulaski, northern part of Pulaski, and southern part of Faulkner counties, and um, it's off to a great start, Dave. I've been endorsed by our U.S. Senator Tom Cotton. I've been endorsed by our Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin. Um, every uh, Justice of the Peace that lives in that district has endorsed me. Um, so, so we're we're off and running. That's for sure. Yeah, that that's exactly for uh, for sure. So, what are some of the things that as you're you know, running for the primary, which comes up, by the way, in in uh, March. Keep that in, everybody keep that in mind. The primary is in March. The general election is coming up in November. So uh, David Ray is running against. I think he's got one other person that is running for that position as well. And uh, the uh, the primary will decide who runs in the general for the Republican Party. Correct. That's right. There was no Democrat candidate that filed in District 40, so it'll, oh. there will just be a Republican primary. Wow, that's and, just the uh, election then. And, and you know, whoever wins the Republican primary, I mean, I believe there's an independent candidate running as well, but more than likely the um, candidate that 
receives the Republican nomination will represent this district. And, um, you know, I believe I have the experience and the track record and and the proven conservative uh, result getting record uh, that warrants me being the Republican nominee. Well, I can attest to folks who are listening uh, that David Ray is the real deal. I mean, he's been doing work on the ground at the grassroots level with Americans for Prosperity. He's worked with the lieutenant governor. Uh, bottom line, he knows what's what as far as conservatism goes. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about a few things here. And I think after you hear what he says about those things, you will readily agree that he is a, a heavy uh, conservative. And not only just in in uh, word as far as uh, uh, when you look at budgetary items, but the Second Amendment and all the rest, correct? That's right, Dave. And, and for folks who don't know much about my background, I will tell you I've devoted well over the last decade of my life to helping advance our shared conservative values and principles and policies. I've worked to help elect uh, conservatives to office. Uh, I was a senior advisor to uh, Tom Cotton on his campaign to unseat Mark Pryor. Um, we finally um, got rid of the, the Democrat machine in Arkansas by unseating Mark Pryor, who cast the deciding vote for Obamacare. And I've been the chief of staff to Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin for the last two and a half years, where I, I've worked hand-in-hand hand with him on issues that are very important to conservatives, like lowering our income tax and advancing school choice. And as you mentioned, I ran Americans for Prosperity Arkansas for several years. And uh, one of the big things that we focused on was the tax burden here in Arkansas. You know, when Pulaski County tried to raise sales tax and property tax, we got the word out, let voters know how it would impact them. And those taxes were defeated at the polls. We did the same thing at the state level. Um, so those are those are all issues that are very important to me. And uh, I have a track record of, of getting things done on them. Yeah, you, you really do. But let's ask a, a question really just off the top. The uh, Coming up in November, uh, you there, there's a, a piece of legislation that the voters are going to vote on about a half-cent sales tax being kept and going. It's supposed to sunset and go away. Uh, Barnett uh, had gotten that passed during a Democrat-led uh, Senate and House. And uh, now it's back up again. They want to make it in perpetuity. They want to make it stick around all the time for that half percent to always go for roads. And they want to make it part of the Constitution of the state of Arkansas. What say you, Mr. Ray? Will you vote for it? Well, I will not, Dave. Um, I'm not for a tax increase. What was it that... President Reagan said there's nothing quite so permanent as a temporary government program. <laughs> um, you know, unfortunately, here, here's the deal on this, Dave. You know, I am, as a, as a small government conservative, I am for more funding for highways and roads and infrastructure. Right. Um, that, is a, that is a core function of government, and we need that for economic development. But I am not for higher taxes. Um, I believe that voters put republicans in office to solve our state's problems without raising taxes if they wanted us to solve all of our problems by simply raising taxes then they would have just elected democrats um 
that seems pretty straightforward to me. Um, you know, look, I also think it's a bad idea to continually put specific line item taxes in our state constitution. Um, just from a policy standpoint, you know, if we, when we get 20 or 30 years down the road, it's really difficult for us to know today what our state's tax needs are going to be 20 or 30 years from now. And putting that in the Constitution really sort of cements it there and, and, and binds the hands of future legislators and future leaders down the road to make changes that they deem appropriate at that time. You know, I also just simply have a fundamental problem with telling people that something is going to be temporary and then turning around and, and then pulling the rug out from under them and saying, hey, sorry, I know we told you this was going to be temporary, but now we need you to make it permanent. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm not, a, I'm not, frankly, that, that sort of thing, I think, breeds cynicism among voters and among the public at a time when we need more trust in, in government, not less. I forget who said it, but somebody made the statement that those who are just politicians tax those who truly uh, know what they want to do govern. And because you don't need to raise taxes every time you want to do something. And a lot of times it means you got to sit down uh, and, and look at what you're spending your money on and make sure you're spending your money on the most important things and and that's the way i see roads well and the other thing i'll say is you know i do believe that (laughs) that highways and infrastructure and and road funding should be a priority for state government and that's why you know i think like like 34 other states plus the district of columbia i think our arkansas ought to devote more of our general revenue our existing resources in other words to our road funding uh and not rely as heavily uh, on motor fuel taxes, for example. Um, You know, I I will say this, Dave, you know, I have, um, I have been a huge proponent of the income tax reductions that we've seen under Governor Hutchinson and uh, that, that were, that he has led on. And when I was with Americans for Prosperity Arkansas, we helped um, talk to legislators and convince the public that reducing our income taxes in Arkansas is the right direction for our state. And, um, you know, I'm afraid that if we raise, if we raise other taxes, um, you know, by an amount that is going to, in this case, exceed the amount that we've cut on income taxes, it'll unfortunately roll back some of the great progress we've made over the last several years. Well, how do you feel, David, about, you know, Rolling back, you know, income taxes and things of that nature, but going to other areas in the budget and raising those taxes to make up for the taxes that you're cutting uh, from the, the, the taxpayer, you know, that whole revenue neutral thing. I've gotten to the point and you and I have had this discussion before on the air that that particular phrase makes me kind of vomit in my mouth every time I say it. Well, I don't have a problem if a particular measure is revenue neutral, um, but we should that should not be our goal. Our goal should be to uh, decrease the amount of taxes that hardworking Arkansans are paying. And, um, you know, I think we have to be concerned with our state's overall tax burden. If you look at how we compare to our surrounding states, you know, Arkansas already we're already tied for the 
highest combined state and local sales tax rate in the entire country. Yep. Out of all 50 states, we're tied for the highest. Um, if, you, if you look at our state's income tax rates, you know, we're among the highest in the entire southeast. Now, we're working on lowering that, which is great, and we've got to continue that progress. But we've got to be concerned about the overall tax burden facing our Kansans because it's an, it's an impediment to people who want to live here and work here and keep more of what they earn. It's an impediment to attracting uh, jobs. It's an impediment to businesses that are already here that want to grow and expand. And it's our business taxes, yes, but it's also our individual taxes. You got to remember, a lot of small businesses file as uh, file under the individual income tax code, LLC, sole proprietorships, S corps, things of that nature. So it's really important from a from an economic growth perspective. All right, David Ray is our guest. He is a Republican uh, challenger for District Four, the seat that was held by Doug House. We're going to finish up our conversation with him when we come back from a break, which we'll do right now. All right, back with you. David Ray is our guest. He'll be with us to the top of the hour. We're going to talk with him. uh, You know, we'll get into all the issues dealing with if he's elected as a state representative that he will uh, have to answer about when you get a a full... I think we just lost him. You know, he'll give us a call back. There he is right now. Uh, when you get into 2021, I mean, he, he wouldn't become a state rep until 2021, and that's when the next General Assembly will be, and there'll be some big issues uh, to face at at that time. And so let's find out where David Ray stands on a lot of those issues. Uh, he is running for the seat in District 40, uh, Doug House has had that uh, particular seat, I think, for three terms. Is that correct, David? Has Doug been there for three terms now, or maybe even four? Yeah, it's four. I think it's four terms. Four and, terms. And Doug is retired. Yeah, Doug's retiring. He's not running again, so it's an it's an open seat this time around. Okay, so uh, again, keep in mind for our listeners uh, that you just tuned in that the primary comes up this year, not in May. But in March, because it's a presidential election year, and we're part of that SEC primary that will be coming, Super Tuesday, uh, in, uh, in, in March. And that's the one that Bloomberg is throwing all of his uh, chickens into, all, putting all his eggs in that basket, uh, that uh, he'll be able to zoom ahead and pick up enough uh, uh votes and uh, electors in those states to give him a run in the Democrat side. But it's really important that you go to the polls in March and vote. And David is running against uh, one other person. And I think you said there is also an independent running. Is that correct? That's right. All right. Just let everybody know. So uh, basically, and I would agree with David on this, whomever you elect to be the representative for the Republican Party, that is a person probably a very strong, about 99.7.25 uh, percentile, uh, is going to be the person who's going to be the representative from District 40. We've only got about 45 seconds before we get to the news, uh, David. Uh, when we come back, I want to move over to some social issues 
and talk to you. I'll talk to you about, let's talk about Second Amendment. Let's talk about life. Uh, and, uh, you know, life is very important to me. Uh, Absolutely. We've, we've had some huge discussions on this show about it. Uh, the state, I think, is the second strongest pro-life state in the union, but there's still more work to be done. Let's talk about that, and uh, we'll continue this discussion on the other side of news, which is coming up right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Well, up in the north, there are northern plains up there in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, and across North Dakota, South Dakota, snow, folks. It's snowing big time up there, so um, they're having some problems with that out in Colorado as well. Not a good time to start having all this snow and bad uh, uh, weather for the people who are traveling for this Thanksgiving uh, holiday. I, I heard 50 million people supposed to be just flying alone, and I know a lot of people that I talk to because the economy is so good. Uh, they're getting a little extra money in their uh, paycheck and stuff. They can afford the gas. Gas prices are reasonable. And uh, they're out on the roads and heading north to grandmothers. You know, they're going over the river and through the woods and doing their thing. So uh, if you're traveling somewhere, please be careful. Leave early enough that you're not forcing it. Uh, I know that uh, my daughter and her husband are going down to north texas down around wichita falls and uh, they left uh, early today uh, to get there it's about a seven hour drive uh, depends kind of which way you go but the bottom line is they left early enough that they'll get there before nightfall tonight all right it's dave ellswick show david ray is our guest he is candidate uh for the district 40 seat in the republican party uh the uh, primary comes up in march of next year that's just around the corner it's not that far you realize that sunday is the first day of uh, december so we're not that far away from the primary here in the state of arkansas so david ray let's talk about life what are some things yet that we need to do here in the state of arkansas as far as you're concerned on the life issue well, hey, thanks for having me back again, Dave. Again, happy Thanksgiving to you and all your listeners. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the right to life is truly uh, a fundamental. First of all, I'm proudly pro-life. And I will tell you, I was originally drawn to be a Republican and a conservative as a very young man. You know, before I knew anything about marginal tax rates or occupational licensing regulations, you know, I knew I knew intuitively in my heart that that the question of what of how our society was going to either allow for or not allow the the killing of innocent nascent human life was going to be the defining moral question of our time and so uh, i have always been proudly pro-life i've worked to help elect uh pro-life leaders like tom cotton and tim griffin um you know one of the things that i think we really need to be aware of that's happening around the country is Liberals in 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 deep blue states, they have begun, and this is the beginning of a trend. I think are are starting to target crisis pregnancy centers. Um, as you know, with so many things on the radical left, Dave, it is not enough for them to uh, have things their way in terms of the law of the land. 
they they want to go further and and make even the people who disagree with them affirm and praise their position. And so what they're doing with crisis pregnancy centers is, in many states, they're trying to force crisis pregnancy centers to refer their clients, you know, pregnant women, to abortionists, mm-hmm. which is really just an unconscionable act if you think about it. I mean, most of these crisis pregnancy centers uh, uh, have have cropped up because the people who found them are motivated by the convictions of their faith and they're morally opposed. They're trying to provide an alternative to, a, to abortion. Uh, so the last thing that they would want to do is refer women to abortionists. Uh, and so I refuse to call them abortion doctors. I just call them abortionists. And so, um, you know, that's something that we've got to be on top of. Um, and, and and that sort of it also extends that sort of it's a pro-life issue but it's also a religious freedom issue and we've got to be very diligent about religious freedom as well um you know if you take a look at what blue states are doing in terms of uh, the many blue states like california hawaii are trying to force um they're trying to shut down faith-based adoption agencies for example that don't that don't want to put children in a same-sex home uh, because it violates the precepts of their faith. And, and we have so many Arkansans, especially people of faith, who, who devote themselves to foster care, to adoption, and, and similar services for society's most vulnerable children. And, and faith-based nonprofits simply should not be targeted uh, just because they're adhering to the precepts of their faith. So that, that's something that I feel very strongly about, Dave. All right, so let's move into uh, the Second Amendment. Your views on the Second Amendment. Uh, uh, it seems to me that the state of Arkansas is very, very Second Amendment uh, friendly. However, our legislature has not been as friendly as I'd like it to see. What does David Ray say about that? Well, I'm, I have all, I've always been a huge supporter of our Second Amendment rights. You know, I believe the Second Amendment says exactly what it says. Um, I believe that the Second Amendment is an individual right. Um, it's not a right just to just to hunt, although people use it to hunt. It is the it is the part of our Bill of Rights that protects the rest of our Bill of Rights. And so, you know, I'm a life member of the. NRA. I'm a member of Gun Owners of America. You know, I'm I'm a gun owner, a proud gun owner, um, and so, you know, I, I will I will do everything in my power to defend the right, the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding gun owners here in Arkansas. And it's it's quite terrifying when you see these Democrat candidates for president get up on a stage. Uh, every time they get together, they try and and outdo one another in terms of just how radical they're going and you know you might say oh well they're just trying to win a democratic primary for president so they're saying outlandish things well we know for a fact that when democrats take over state legislatures they they will work to infringe the second amendment rights of americans we're seeing it right now in virginia uh virginia just had their election a couple of weeks ago and the Democrats won control of the House of Delegates there in Virginia. Uh, they won the control of the state Senate, and they have the governor's mansion. So they have control 
of pretty much all the levers of power there, and you're seeing they are making moves to ban commonly owned semi-automatic rifles. Um, you know, rifles that you know if you pick up the you know if you get if you get the newspaper tomorrow morning and you look at the Black Friday ads, they're in stores all over town. I mean, these are some of America's most commonly owned rifles. They're trying to ban. And they're not even putting in, you know, they, they're not even wanting to let people grandfather in the weapons they already own. So um, they're Democrats. You know, first of all, I'm, a, I'm opposed to anything that would infringe on our Second Amendment rights, you know, including, you know, waiting periods and, un, you know, taxes, tax increases on ammunition and guns, things like that. But, but Democrats today are going far beyond that. So we need people who will forcefully speak up against that um, when and if they try that here in Arkansas. Within the party itself, the Republican Party, there seems to be a a steady movement. I won't say that it is the majority movement for constitutional carry. I happen to be a person that supports constitutional carry. There are those here in the state that believe that we've already passed that, but what do you think about it, David? I mean, do you think that we should be a constitutional carry state? Yeah, look, I'm, I am I am totally fine with Arkansans carrying um, openly or concealed, however they prefer. Um, you know, I have no problem with Arkansas being a constitutional carry state. I think we are, I think we're actually safer as a society if we have more law-abiding gun owners exercising their Second Amendment rights. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of gun-free zones because every time we have one of these mass shootings where one of these crazed killers goes on a rampage to try and inflict as much carnage and devastation as possible, you know, they don't go into, uh, you know, they don't go into a police station to do it. They go into somewhere where there's a a sign that says you can't carry firearms like a movie theater or a school uh, or something of that nature. And so, you know, I I just start from that premise that we're safer as a society because look, the, the, the bad guys in society, they don't give a rip about the laws. Okay. So, you know, your sign that says, you know, no guns allowed, a, a crazed killer that is wanting to inflict carnage upon the people in there they're not going to pay any attention to your sign so you know uh, it's commonly said that the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun and uh, you know I think that's mostly true all right, we got to get our final break in, David. Then we'll come back and we will talk further. We'll finish up our conversation for this hour. David Ray is running uh, for the seat, District 40 in the House. And the uh, primary comes up in March. So uh, you'll have that long to uh, make your decision about whom I think would be a, a great, great person to put into the District 40 seat here in the uh, the House of Representatives of Arkansas. David Ray, our guest, we'll be back with him. We'll talk about roads and highways and how he thinks they should be financed when we return. Plus, I want to talk to him about sanctuary cities. There's some cities around Arkansas that are teetering awful close to that. Let's talk about that as well when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Final segment with uh, David Ray, who's running for the uh, District 40 seat. 
uh, in the uh, primary coming up, the Republican primary coming up in March. And uh, as uh, David knows, if his challenger uh, would call in and demand equal time, I'm going to give it to her and and have her on and talk to her about how she stands on these issues. I don't think that she'll stand any more. I think she will stand less conservatively than what David does on everything that we've talked about. So I got a couple of things I'd like to kind of talk about, David, before we get to the end of the show uh, today. The first thing being, you know, we talked about that half-cent sales tax that you say you will not vote for, I'm not going to vote for, uh, that would be used to uh, finance our state's highways. How would you go about, if if you were in the uh, state legislature, if you were in the state house, what kind of uh, of of act would you try to get uh, enabled uh, to make it possible to finance the roads of Arkansas? Yeah, well, we already have uh, the motor fuel tax, which every time you know you you or I fill up at the pump, we pay that motor fuels tax, and that goes to help fund our highways uh, and our county and city streets as well. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent, Dave, of utilizing our existing resources rather than increasing taxes. And what that means functionally is we would use, uh, like just like 34 other states plus the District of Columbia, you know, I would like to see us dedicate a line item in the budget for uh, our state highways and for roads and bridges and things of that nature. Um, you do that simply by dedicating, you know, the, the sales tax revenue on things with the nexus to transportation, uh, you know, like car tires, windshield wipers, uh, you know, things of that nature, uh, even the purchase of automobiles, you know, you could phase it in over time in a way that has a minimal impact on the state budget and, uh, and dedicate that money to, to uh, infrastructure because, Look, it is important for our state's economy that we are connected from an infrastructure standpoint. As a as a small government conservative, I think government ought to focus on the core functions of government and providing infrastructure is one of those things. So, but there's a million things that we could do that would help our highway funding situation. I mean, look, just for as an example, you know, the highway department pays sales tax on all of their construction materials. So if you think about logically what's happening there, you and I, Dave, we pay motor fuel tax when we fill up our cars. That money goes to the highway department. When the highway department buys their construction materials to build the roads, they pay some of that money that we sent over for highways, and it goes back to general revenue in the form of sales tax. So if you simply simply rebated that money back to them, that would be tens of millions more dollars per year um, available to fund our roads. So there's a lot of little solutions like that. There's no silver bullet solution that's going to solve all our problems and make them go away. Um, but, you know, legislating is is the art of finding solutions. And I think voters entrusted Republicans to find solutions without raising taxes. That's just my viewpoint. All right. And then last question, uh, you know, we've got cities and uh up in Fayetteville and up towards Eureka Springs, even some uh, would say here in Little Rock, Arkansas, that are leaning strongly towards uh, immigration 
uh, and, you know, and having sanctuary cities. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think that um, we, we should not stand for sanctuary cities in the state of Arkansas. Um, cities that are doing that are flaunting federal law. Uh, they're flaunting our sovereignty as a, as a nation, and we simply should not stand for that. Um, the legislature passed a law dealing with sanctuary cities in the last legislative session, and so um, I would hope that as that issue pops its head, I would hope that we deal with it, and if for some reason the law that the legislature enacted is, does not give us the tools to rein that problem in, uh, we should go back and revisit that law and strengthen it to ensure that it, that it is handled. Okay. Anything that you wanted to add in here that we I haven't asked you? We've we've covered a, a plethora of of subjects today. Anything that you want to bring up that I've forgotten? Well, I'll just I'll just say a couple of things, Dave. You know, first of all, I'd be honored to have the vote uh, in the March third primary of anybody that's listening. Um, if you want more information about my campaign, you can check out my website, which is rayforarkansas.com, R-A-Y-F-O-R, Arkansas.com. And, um, you know, I'll just, I'll go, uh, Dave, you'll know what I'm talking about here. I'll go full full Tim Griffin here and give out my cell phone. <laughs> go right ahead. Um, you know, if you have questions about my campaign or where I stand on the issues, you can feel free to call or text me anytime. Uh, don't write it down if you're driving because you might crash, but it's uh, 501-916-0286. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess, Dave, I'll just say I'm, I'm uh, so there's so many things to be thankful for this year. Um, you know, my wife is uh, eight months pregnant. Well, yeah, eight months pregnant now with our second child. It'll be a little boy who will be here first week of january and we're so excited about that that'll be our second child and um so we've got a baby coming in january and an mm-hmm. election coming in march so there'll be a lot of sleepless nights between now and then <laughs> you're gonna be a busy man dude <laughs> that's right but you know hey that's that's the best way to be that's the best way to be well, that's yeah, the, only, the alternative only way that i've known you is uh if if you're awake you're up to something, and it's always something that's uh, that's good. And I I really believe that you have nothing but good impressions and good things uh, in mind for the state of Arkansas. Well, and y- your support means a lot, Dave. I know you know you've been such uh, a prominent voice in conservative politics in Arkansas. I think you came on the air here in two thousand. Yep, is that right? That's right. So you've been you've been uh, you've been at it a lot longer than I have, but we have. Uh, I know we fought some battles b- together before, and um, you know I just feel very strongly that we need more conservative Republicans in the legislature, not less. You know, it's great that we have a supermajority of Republicans around the state, but you know, having an R beside your name is not the only thing that matters. That's right. Um, we need people who are committed to defending. Uh, and and being an outspoken voice for the conservative policies and principles and values that uh, that we stand for. I agree with that. David Ray, have a great Thanksgiving. Say hello to the rest of your family for me, and uh, I will talk to you again 
down the road a, a little a little ways. We'll get together All if right, not in December, at least January. Talk to you then. Okay, thanks so much, David Ray here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He he's a he's a formidable candidate. Number one, that he knows he knows what he stands for. Uh, coming up after the news, uh, Congressman French Hill will join us from D.C. Then we'll have a, a half hour to, to talk. Well, he's here. The congressman decided to make it to the studio. This is great. We'll talk to, we're going to talk to him after the news. Let's get to the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thanks to David Ray for joining me in the last hour, talking to us about the uh, seat in District 40, which he is running to uh, try to uh, fill come in uh, 2021. And uh, I don't get involved in primaries very often. I've gotten involved in Dan Sullivan's primary up in Jonesboro because I think it's just, just really, really important that we get Sullivan into the state Senate. And then, uh, you know, I've, I've thrown my 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 full volume throat behind David Ray. I've known David for about 10 years, knew him from uh, Americans for Prosperity. He's a very articulate, a very intelligent, a very thoughtful individual, and he is a conservative that we can trust, and I'd love to see him into the House. So um, I'm going to put my uh, my hat in the ring for him. In the studio right now is uh, the congressman. I'm uh, Congressman Hill is here. I'm really surprised because 
Stephen Smith Soap said that you probably wouldn't be able to make it. I just found out that you made it because you were able to get out of the the duck blind in time to, to join me here, and I appreciate that. Thanks so much. You bet. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, Wonderful same to see you. you. Great to be with you this it's week. It's great. It's great. It's, uh, this is my one of my favorite uh, holidays. It was one of my father's favorite along with Christmas. His father walked out of his fa- on his family when he was three, mm. and he always said uh, that he would always have a Thanksgiving that was memorable and the, the most joyful Christmas that he could afford. And uh, he lived up to that, and all of his boys do it to this day with their families, me and my uh, my two brothers. So it's one of my favorite. Although this year I usually do the cooking, yeah. Congressman. I usually whip everything up. I don't do the dishes. That's the other That's side. That's a fair trade. Right? That's a Very pretty good trade, trade, I think. But the bottom line, you know, I've, I've had this run-in where I was in the hospital and all kinds of things that's going on. So I went to Kroger. So we're, I'm not even having turkey tomorrow. I'm having prime rib that I bought from uh, Kroger. They're, pre- they're preparing everything. So. Well, that sounds pretty good. It, sh- it should be pretty good. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Well, it's good to be with you. I love Thanksgiving, too. My mother, uh, God rest her soul, loved Thanksgiving. She said if it wasn't cold enough for a fire on Thanksgiving that she would crank down the air conditioning <laughs> so she could have a fire. She loved fall. She loved our family and you know, multi-generations being together, and then inviting people who didn't have a, a home, didn't have a Thanksgiving plan. Was right. one of her, I, we learned that, and we've done that this year. We're going to neighbors. But I found out a very good friend uh, is without any family this week, mm-hmm. so we've added them a seat at the table. And that's, that's what Thanksgiving's all yeah, about, sure. is sharing, giving thanks and sharing our bounty of affection for each other and also the the bounties that we have in this country well i have my family and uh, this year couldn't get a couple of the the guys from the air force base over yeah so i've got uh, robert steinbach you know yeah, robert sure. he's going to be join, he's going to be joining us uh tomorrow he did last year had he had just a great time so I said, well, come on, man. Well, Robert's great entertainment, and he can recite various Solicitor General presentations to the Supreme <laughs> Court for you. So <laughs> He can. He It'll can do be all of that. All right. So for my listeners, yep. please bring some sanity over the airwaves about what's going on with this whole thing with impeachment. Because I hear, you know, uh, Shifty Shift gets up there in front of the cameras, and he says, overwhelming evidence nobody could ever think that this president isn't guilty and goes on and on and on and yet i sit here day after day after day last week uh while they were having these public hearings and i played soundbite after soundbite after soundbite of these people saying no i didn't hear him uh you know try to you know buy off anybody and we didn't hear him ask for any quid pro quo we didn't ask her and hear any of that and yet the other side says see he's guilty and i see go see he's innocent that's where we are that's why it's so confused and i think that's why so many americans have sort of lost interest and the polls have shown that which is is this another piece of uh, uh effort by democrats in the house particularly to cry wolf like they've done for three years through the Mueller process, through the Russia situation, through uh, Bob Mueller's reporting, $25 sure. million, 500 agents, interviews on, on the record, using the power of grand juries, and yet they have uh, nothing to show for it. They turn to this, and then they've just had this succession over the past almost 60 days now 
of ironclad proof that Donald Trump has done this and Nothing. that, both all illegal, down to bribery uh, last week. Um, and the under cross-examination in the hearings as they're designed, that's been over and over again demonstrated that it's not the case. I think what is the case, Dave, is look. There is a disagreement in the permanent uh, State Department hierarchy about the conduct of foreign policy, and there's a debate. And there's always a debate. It's not often out in public. It's often very intense between state, the Pentagon, the White House, the National Security Council staff. I worked in a White House uh, for two years. I know about this debate. And it's there, and it's intense, and people do criticize their bosses about a tactic here, an approach there, something that was not how they would do it. Mm -hmm. So we have that definitely going on. We have Rudy Giuliani representing the president, you know, looking at the underlying causes of what was Mueller investigating to protect his client, the president. I think the Giuliani work over there has muddied the water. So that's what we're looking at. But I've said from the very beginning, if Democrats want to question this president's foreign policy, have a foreign affairs hearing, bring witnesses, both from and outside the administration, and have at it. But to call it an impeachment inquiry is violating the Speaker, Speaker Pelosi's own rules. It's divisive. There's not overwhelming evidence of a a high-crime Mr. Beaner, bribery or treason, and it's not bipartisan. She's broken her own rules. So then shift this weekend on the talk shows. Oh, my God. It was ridiculous. Well, well, we haven't come to that conclusion. Uh, Oh, Oh, really? Even though you've manipulated the process for that conclusion sure. for 60 days? So uh, I don't know what to tell you. I think the I think American people are not paying attention. I think they, 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 they believe it's another trip down Alice in Wonderland's rabbit hole, but they're not sure. And uh, But I can tell you from the evidence, from the transcripts, from the telephone call, there's not impeachable behavior there. And that, I thought, was proven in the testimony that's been released. Well, I listened to Shift basically say over the weekend that, we, yeah, we got the ironclad proof. It's, it's a no-brainer. It's easy. And then, he was, and then Trapper asked him, then why aren't you impeaching him? I mean, are you going to impeach him? And he says, well, I got to go back and talk to my constituents, and I've got to talk to my uh, colleagues Say what? What do you got to talk to your constituents about? We're talking about a constitutional process here. That struck me as very strange and struck me as the leash, uh, the long chain in the yard that's tied around the tree Mm -hmm. reached his limit of what he could say without having permission from Nancy Pelosi (laughs) is the way I took that. Because he's been too much of a partisan a manipulator of the facts, misleading Congress, misleading the American people now for several months, and some would say several years, but let's just stick to this subject. And he's discredited, I think, the intelligence committee process. So I'm disappointed with the process. I'm disappointed with the, the lack of due process for the president to even present a case. And uh, so we'll see what happens next. But I think it's confused. I don't think it's predictable. I'm always honest about that. No, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Do you think do you think they're really going to go through with it? There's a lot of people now that think they're going to censor the president and leave it at that. Do you think that's enough to be able to wipe some of the ache off their face their face? Conceivably. 
I mean, I don't think they have the open and shut, clear, unambiguous uh, uh, case that they thought they had where they would bring in a substantial bipartisan view or even a modest bipartisan mm-hmm. view. Uh, the, the facts during those weeks just never really changed. I've cited the concerns, disagreements on tactics and foreign policy, the, what Rudy Giuliani was doing representing the president. But is that impeachable behavior? And so could they pivot under Speaker Pelosi leadership and ask for a censure or ask for a special committee to investigate more from the foreign policy aspects of it? Those seem logical, but are we on a track for logic when they have spent so many months on this project? Does it? I'll, I'll be honest. If I were in your position, this would have really ticked me off, and this is going back to – the shifty shift again. When he made the statement that the only reason the Republicans don't get behind this at all is because they love their party more than they love their country. No, we Republicans love their country. They love to get at the facts. They love to expose uh, the truth. And I think that's why the president... Uh, released within 24 hours a transcript of a conference call that several people were on uh, that described exactly what his concerns were about Ukraine. Corruption, which he's obligated by law to study and explain and certify that our our aid, civic, and uh, military can be used properly. He had a brand new president on that 25th call that he was talking about corruption, including Burisma, which was a named company in the corruption scandals of the last few years. His concerns, these are Donald Trump's concerns about the 2016 election. He is able to voice that. And don't forget, he was having that call with the president one day after Bob Mueller's testimony on Capitol Hill. So, the whole results of the Mueller investigation of 2016 were fresh on his mind as he made that phone call. Well, here's my whole thing. Since President Trump has been in office, the economy has healed itself considerably. The, the Wall Street is back roaring again. The Chinese do seem to be making some concessions to us. We've got the uh, the deal set up ready to go with France. We got a deal set up to go with Japan. We got a deal, a trade deal, ready for uh, Mexico and Canada if the Democrats will get off their hands and take a vote on it. Exactly. USMCA, we've talked about here, is so important to 100,000 Arkansans. Great for our country. It's been in a series of flip-flops now for 30 days. It's going to be voted on in November, says Mrs. Pelosi on September 25th. Then she says, well, maybe it doesn't need to be voted on until next year. We don't have enough time. I don't know. Then today, in the news cycle today, it says that uh, the House is ready to vote on it and that uh, the Mexican ambassador and the Canadian ambassador have been doing their work. Uh, So she's under pressure uh, there. But we need that. And the president has led the way on improving NAFTA. We've talked about it. Improving trade with Japan. Improving trade with Korea getting the trade teed up with improvements in Europe, which we don't have yet, but we're talking behind yeah. the scenes on. And most importantly, for the whole rest of the trading system, breaking down the barriers in China, which we've only tried to do for 30 years unsuccessfully. Uh, we're on the cusp, maybe, of making progress there. 
That would be huge. This will really help sustain uh, the economic growth. It is unusual that we've gone 11 years now uh, without a downturn, but at zero interest rates, I've maintained concern about a bubble. I've maintained concern about are we going to get off track. But each time we see earnings of our companies in America gaining uh, and holding employment, employment's down for all groups. Unemployment has really been the best in 50 years now. Capital investment is higher. R&D investment is up. People have brought money home from abroad because of the president's tax reform in uh, 2017. So this is these are good times, and we want to keep that progress growing. Uh, going. And uh, as a former community banker and business guy here in Arkansas, one of my biggest complaints that led me to go run for Congress in 2014 was what I talked about ad infinitum, the wet blanket of federal regulatory yeah. burden, and it's been lifted. And I have to credit congressional support, sure, but it takes the executive planning and executive execution to relieve that regulatory burden, and President Trump's administration has done that. I just, you know, sometimes I wish he would say some of the things that he wants to say a little bit differently. Yep. But guess what? What he's doing is working. I went up. I was at BJ's this morning for breakfast out at Pro Throw Junction. That's one of the places I uh, love. I, I love it. Uh, we, we're doing. A, we're giving him a shout out. Man walked up to me and he goes, "Hey, I want you to keep up the good work, but can you can you control our president?" I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, he, he, "Stop tweeting." <laughs> because people like the work that's being done. Yep. And they like the theme on economic policy. A lot of people like the foreign policy. They like the regulatory policy. They love rebuilding America's military. They love having America in a negotiating position that's from strength. Uh, But, gosh, could we tweet less? That's a common thing I hear out in the second congressional And then I hear people who tell me they love the tweets. And I'm not saying the tweets are occasionally super funny. But I think a lot of people say, gosh, let's keep the policy going. Let's have a few less tweets. And that's that's not unusual at BJ's, what I heard this morning. All right. We'll take a break. Yeah, I'll ask him what he had for breakfast. I have two eggs, the bacon, the extra thick bacon they have there, the sausage, usually a, a biscuit with gravy, and then uh, as much coffee as I can down down during that time. That's just a great place. I eat lunch there at least two or three times a week. It's a great place to eat. It was we'll good. be back with the congressman just here in a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get a break in real quick. That's coming up right now. Let's do by the numbers here real quickly. When you talk overall, the Trump aid to the Ukraine has been larger and more lethal. Lethal being that money being given to the Ukrainians, telling them they can use it to buy weapons that they can target the Russians with if necessary. The Trump total is uh, a little over a billion dollars. The Trump average is $347.33 million. Obama's total was $545 million. None of that was for lethal aid. No. And uh, Obama's average was $181.67 million. So I'd ask all the listeners, when we give that much money to a country for either civic or military purposes, shouldn't we make sure it's spent right? Shouldn't we make sure that it's accounted for? Shouldn't we make sure that it's not subject to corruption? And in 2014, during the Obama administration, we passed a law in Congress right before I joined Congress 
that ordered the executive to assure that money going to Ukraine was accounted for and not subject to the rampant corruption of a government there that really isn't a government. It's a coalition, really, of warlords. This Mr. Zerensky, who's just been elected, is the first anti-corruption candidate, and that's why the president was making the call in the first place, point one. Point two, President Obama used gave them blankets and MREs mm-hmm. and non-lethal aid. President Trump gave them javelin missiles, which are anti-tank defensive weapons, to send the message to Russia, don't bring military into East uh, Ukraine. Right. So we had more money, more lethal money, more effective money, and we were talking about corruption. And the president raised another point, which we talked about off air. What else is Europe doing? What is Angela Merkel? He named uh, the chancellor specifically from Germany. What are they doing financially to support Ukraine, getting their stability back, getting their independence back from this Russian incursion? Uh, You know how he made NATO feel the last time he started talking about that. I loved it. I loved every moment of that. So tell us about being named task force chairman of the Suburban Caucus. Yeah. So we've got members all over the country that uh, as we go into a new election year in 2020, we want to make sure that voters across the suburbs in the country know what the Republican Party stands for, know what we've accomplished in Congress and what we want to do if we win the House back. And this is talking about Everything from infrastructure, if you live in a a city, that's an important issue for suburban voters. But for me, the topic I'm focused on is financial literacy, improving access to uh, workforce training, student training, savings plans, uh, the ability to have families have the financial resources necessary to change jobs mid-career. Those things are important to me. Uh, Some of my other colleagues are working on affordable health care, how to reform the health care system. Others are working on child care and topics like that, particularly ones that are important to the administration, too. All right. Last question. You went out duck hunting today. How many did you shoot? Uh, I brought home one greenhead today. Okay. My comrade that I was hunting with this morning, my <laughs> colleague, was uh, was uh, smoking and talking more than he was focusing on shooting. So okay. I didn't have much help this morning. But you're eating a duck tonight, is that I am, right? I am. He's going to rest in the refrigerator overnight, marinating, and tomorrow he's going to be grilled and be uh, hors d'oeuvres for tomorrow afternoon's very feast. Very good. Absolutely. All right. You have a great Thanksgiving Happy Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day. Thank you very God much, Congress, for coming in. And for your son, who is sitting here quietly, Absolutely. and everybody that's on Facebook is looking, who's that young guy in there? Yes, it's good to have Payne Hill home from uh, college. Good to have him Where home. Where are you going to school at? Uh, Swanee University of the South. Okay. So it's a small liberal arts school in Tennessee. So, Over in Tennessee. All right. Well, you guys have a great Thanksgiving. Got to take a break. Here's the news. All right. Our thanks to the uh, congressman for coming in today. That was a surprise because I had asked Stephen Smith, who is the congressman's handler, basically. He's the guy I work with, to set him up each week to, to talk to us and to uh, spend time with us from Washington, D.C. And, I mean, the congressman's been very good about this. Uh, I, I brought this up as a thing that I wanted to do, and they were really all for it. And uh, I've done this before with other congressional and senatorial uh, people in other markets that I've been in, because I think you like to get uh, a direct line from D.C. that can tell you what's going on. 
and uh, let you know what's happening. And, and for instance, during this whole uh, impeachment thing, uh, the congressman has been able to give you uh, a very clear uh, line of reasoning of what is happening on the Republican side and then, uh, you know, telling you, you know, very clearly the insanity that is happening in the other party. And then he, you know, we've we've had him on during the time they've had in China. Uh, there's all the big things going on with the uh, the trade battles that have been going on. And he's uh, given us a lot of information that you just don't hear every day in general press. But you hear it here on the Dave Ellswick Show because the congressman talks to us uh, for the most part every week on Wednesday during the three o'clock hour right here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer. All right, so Thanksgiving is tomorrow. I, it's one of my favorite holidays. But over the last, oh, I guess 15, 10, 15 years, there has been a, a movement on the left to try to destroy uh, what happened at that first Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, trying to make uh, the pilgrims a white supremacist, basically, and, uh, you know, haters of anybody that was a minority, for instance, an American Indian, and that we were out to kill them, and we gave them blankets with smallpox and all the rest of the uh, BS uh, that has been uh, propagated uh, over the years. I, I've got a piece I want to play for you from John Stossel. Uh, we're just going to be able to, of course, hear the audio part of it. Uh, it's a good piece about one of the big myths that has been uh, perpetrated over the last few years uh, about Thanksgiving. And with that in mind, uh, let me give you some information that you'll like to hear about uh, and hear some truth dealing with that first trend, uh, Thanksgiving. You ready for Thanksgiving? Before you eat that turkey, I want to bust one myth. You've heard about that Thanksgiving feast. Pilgrims and Indians sharing food. Sharing is nice in families and sometimes in small groups. But as Thanksgiving approaches, let's remember that when we pilgrims first came to America, we almost starved. People grew weak and thin. Some swelled with hunger. That's because we settlers acted like Bernie Sanders wants us to act. We farmed collectively. The corporation that funded our expedition said, grow food together, divide the harvest equally. Bad idea. Communal farming creates what economists call the tragedy of the commons. Think about a nice piece of land that ranchers hold in common. Anyone who wants to can bring their cattle to graze. The tragedy is that no individual rancher is much motivated to try to preserve that land. In fact, Every rancher has the incentive to bring more and more cattle to the pasture. So they're going to continue to add cow after cow until the pasture is overgrazed and destroyed. One way to demonstrate that is to run experiments like this one. This is now your property here. I assembled a group of people and told them the circle is your shared land. You can furnish it with trees, people, whatever. And they did. Have a tree. Yeah. Then I put some fake coins on their property and told them each coin is worth a buck. But if you can leave it in there for a minute, I'll give you two bucks. Each minute, it doubles in value. If they can wait, 
they can make much more money. Do they wait? Ready, set, go. Nobody waited? There was no reason to wait. Someone else would just grab your coins. Let's change the rules of the game. I divided the land into segments, so each person had his own property. Then we played the game again. Same rules. Every minute, the value doubles, except you can only take coins from your property. Go. Nobody's doing anything. Why are you waiting? I want to reap the most benefit. You didn't wait last time. At that moment, I wanted it now, whereas this is going up and it's mine, you know? Exactly. When you own property, you take care to preserve it, to allow it to keep producing good things. But we pilgrims shared our land, so when the crops were ready to harvest, we did what these people did. Some of my neighbors sneaked out at night and grabbed extra food. Some picked corn before it was fully ready. The result? By the spring, our food stores were used up. The shortage of food was worse because of a second problem with the commons. When you share the results of your work, some people don't work hard. For it let an opportunity for some to take advantage and leave the work to others. Had that continued, Thursday would be known as Starvation Day. But fortunately, we were led not by Bernie Sanders or other commons-loving socialists, but by Governor William Bradford, who wrote in his diary, After much debate, I, William Bradford, assigned to every family a parcel of land. He did what I did here. The result? This had very good success, for it made all hands very industrious. We brought in a harvest that was more than enough to feed us. After such a success, we never returned to shared planting. Private property allowed us pilgrims to prosper and have that feast we read about in school. So this Thanksgiving, if you have a good meal, thank private property. Every day it protects us from the tragedy of the commons. There's John Stossel. Pretty impressive what he just told you. Socialism doesn't work, okay? Bernie Sanders would have left the colony uh, if he could have uh, with the rest of the people starved to death when it was all said and done. Uh, And Bradford, who was the head of the colony, uh, changed their whole way of thinking by giving each person uh, property that they could grow whatever they wanted to grow on and as much that they wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you reaped what you sowed and what you worked for. And they found out they had a a whole lot more there for everybody. If they wanted to share with a neighbor, they could. That's the way it's supposed to be done, and that's the way it was done on Thanksgiving. Keep that in mind, okay? Don't let these lefties say this and say that and then try to make you think that uh, that's not the way it really was. The way you were taught back in the the 50s and 60s, that's the way it really was. It wasn't the way that these other folks since about the 80s uh, have been, uh, been telling you. In fact, I was just talking to... Uh, Uh, Zach, and he had found some articles about how the left has been attacking Thanksgiving. Um, If you can find that, uh, Zach, we'll we'll try to get to him when we come back from the break. We got a break that we got to get in. And uh, just 
just know that, and, and especially you, and I know people think I pick on the public schools. I pick on the public schools because as parents, many of us are allowing a lot of the stuff that they're teaching to go unchallenged. And it's BS. It is pure BS. Our forefathers were not a bunch of terrible, terrible people. They weren't. They did, they did some things that, you know, we probably all can wish that they hadn't done. They did it in the, the context of the historical time that they lived. But let's also remember when they talk about how terrible the white man was to the red man, that the red man wasn't so nice to the white man either. It's not like the old, uh, what's the, the, the poetry and the, and the exegesis that they write about the, uh, the, the great, you know, native savage, you know, that the savage is uh, a pure man and this and that bull. All right. A lot of savages are cannibals. Okay. And they, and they eat you and think nothing of it. They cut your head off and shrink it and think nothing of it because they don't have any guilt about it whatsoever. So let's just move on. Just know that our country was endowed by a creator to be one of the greatest nations on earth. And I know there's people out there hate when I say that God was on our side. But when you go back and look at the history of this great nation that we have now, if you can't see that God was on our side, you're blind. A break. The Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Okay, so as Thanksgiving is tomorrow, the folks at the College Fix, which is a group of young journalists that are being mentored by veteran journalists that remember when journalism was objective journalism and uh, not journalism of feelings, uh, up in they went to uh, McAllister College up in Minneapolis, or up in Minnesota, and they asked students if it's acceptable to celebrate Thanksgiving. Listen in and hear what these students say. Yeah, well, I think that like Thanksgiving has been misconstrued a lot, um, especially in textbooks, and it's kind of just based off of the genocide of indigenous people. Um, and I don't really think that we actually give thanks on Thanksgiving. We just eat a bunch of food, and it's just a bunch of capitalist bullshit. We're here today at McAllister College, a small Christian private school in Minnesota, asking students if it's okay to celebrate Thanksgiving. Ooh. Leaning towards no, I feel like with, you know, the historical context and, mm. you know, kind of the really awful oppression of, mm. you know, indigenous people, like the holiday is really like praised by, I think, people more on like the conservative side of things to like uphold that sort of tradition. The original, like the celebrating a feast really isn't because of the notions of what the actual holiday was? Well, I mean, the entire thing is sort of based off of uh, indigenous peoples and the murder of indigenous peoples in history. Not really, but what do Americans do except for celebrate unethical holidays? What other holidays are unethical? Columbus Day. I mean, 
Christmas break, it should be labeled as like winter break in general, but most schools are celebrating as Christmas break. Sure. Do you celebrate these holidays? Uh, more or less. Is it okay to celebrate Thanksgiving? Um, no. Yeah, it's probably not as bad as Christmas or Easter, but like, I don't know. The So you think Christmas and Easter are worse than Thanksgiving? Yeah, definitely. They don't celebrate Christmas and Easter. Sure. That shit sucks. I'm pretty anti-religious, so mm. I think mm. that they're just like... Um, Why are you at a religious school then? There's a church right over there. It's true. It's true. It's a good point. Is it okay to celebrate Thanksgiving? Um, that's a good question. I think I think it's okay as long as your values are in the right place. So the history of the holiday is obviously not the best. Mm. Um, and it's very violent and oppressive. But if you are celebrating like the value of gratefulness and friendship and love and family... And I, I think that's a different story. Just as an opportunity to spend time with family and, like, eat food and stuff, uh, I think it's mostly fine. <laughs> so the question we're asking, is it okay to celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday? Yes. We've been hearing from a lot of students that they won't be celebrating Thanksgiving because of the history of the holiday. How do you respond to that? Um, I see it. I see it more as, like, a time to spend, like time with your family and like to enjoy like being together and be thankful for that rather than for like what the actual history of it is okay is it okay to celebrate thanksgiving i would think it depends just because all the education that we've gotten in public school has only told like the side of the story from like the white colonizers so what do you think the real thanksgiving story is i think the real thanksgiving story i don't know what it is because i wasn't there and because i don't have the all the historical information i mean the the public school education tells you that thanksgiving was this great meeting where you know the native americans showed the pilgrims how to you know grow corn and obviously that's not true but what legitimately happened on thanksgiving i have no idea we've been hearing from a lot of students that it's not ethical to celebrate thanksgiving what's your response to this well there's a lot of american holidays in which like we've which are based on, like, our oppression of other people. So, like, if that's the case, like, we shouldn't celebrate the 4th of July or, like, a lot of other holidays. Mm. Or, like, we shouldn't get time off for, like, Christmas because that's a Christian holiday. But even other religions get time off for that. So, like, that's just, like, a slippery slope at, at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. How do you plan to celebrate Thanksgiving this year? Eating with my family. Yes. Eating with my family watching football. Right. Turkey or ham? So, there you go. There's the people talking about Thanksgiving. And let me tell you what. They didn't learn that because they sat down in the library and read about it. They were taught that. Uh, And I will guarantee you they didn't get taught that at the college. I mean, it's perpetuated at the college. But they were taught it in the public school system to where it was. I mean, the very first person said, well, genocide of indigenous people. Not true. It's just not true. Doug House is with us. I got a few moments. So let's get Doug here on on the show. Hey, Doug, how are you? Hey, Dave, I'm doing fine. I tell you what, those testimonials just break your heart. Yeah. That people don't know. When I heard this, I, I had to tell you about my best Thanksgiving, and I'll try to get it done real quick. Okay. 2007, I was in Baghdad and uh, was assigned to the State Department as an Army officer. 
And um, my first job in the Army, I was a cook. Best job I ever had. So anyway, about 1030, uh, somebody came in and said, you ought to see the dining facility. So uh, you, you need to go over there. It's incredible. So I went over there, and it was Kellogg, Brown, and Root, KBR. And they had uh, young people, cooks from all over the world that had made bread sculptures, ice sculptures, fruit sculptures, decorated the, the dining facility for Thanksgiving. And being a colonel, for me to come over there and make a big deal, that was something to them, and I was glad to do it. Got my picture taken and all that. I sit down for my Thanksgiving meal with a young Mormon kid from Utah. He was eating by himself. I kind of intimidated him at first until he realized, I said, hey, man, this is Thanksgiving. We need to eat together. And so we made friends. We talked about our family. And he lived in a little two-story uh, house right next door to where my office building was. I was on like the fifth or sixth floor. And it was a, a, a reference point, an aiming point for the terrorists. So anyway, we ate our dinner, and he went on back, and he worked at the um, uh, hospital right next to us, next door to us. He told me during the course of our meal that they went up on top of the roof of their house and watched the sunset a lot of times. So I went back to work, and at about 4.30, 26 rounds of mortar came in. A uh, pump hit our compound all over the place, and he and those kids were up there on top of that roof, and oh. one of those rounds landed right smack dab in the middle of those kids. Mm. Soldiers. 26 rounds were fired. 27 rounds were fired. 26 rounds exploded. One did not. Guess which one it was. Ah, the one right on the in roof. the middle of those kids. Good. I gave thanks that day because all oh, those kids scattered. And, you know, we, we had to stay in the building until the explosive ordinance people came, blew it up in place, and that was the best Thanksgiving of my life. Um, I, I, I can't help but remember the scripture, Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Mm. And that happened for me. And I, I, I told that story to my family several times, but that was the best Thanksgiving of all, that kid's life. Doug, we got just about a minute and a half left. How have we allowed our children to be indoctrinated with this BS? Well, I certainly didn't indoctrinate my children. They'll be all at our house tomorrow with about 20 other people, family members. And we, we have to teach our children. And if you don't teach your children, if you leave it up to the schools to, to tell them all the truth, if you keep them out of church, if you don't spend time in the Bible, and talking instead of watching TV and playing video games, this is what happens. All right. Doug House, thank you so much, State uh, Representative. We appreciate you, District 40. Thanks, Doug. You and yours have a great Thanksgiving day. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and all of your listeners. All right. Thank you very much. Doug House here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good to have him here. Great story that uh, he relayed on a Thanksgiving in Baghdad. And a mortar round that didn't go off. All right, coming up after the news, we've got Duck and Joe coming on. We'll talk a little cars. We'll talk a little Thanksgiving, I'm sure. Talk a little deer hunting maybe as well. All that's coming your way. Last hour, Robert Steinbach will be me, will be with me from 5 o'clock until 6 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer.
Duck sitting here in the studio. Joe is on his way. He told me today that he would be here with Duck. Nobody else is here other than uh, those two and me. That's right. We get ready. The whole show. Now you're going out. Did you say you're going deer hunting tomorrow? Uh, Yes, I'm either going tonight to the cabin or get up early in the morning and go. You're not doing Thanksgiving. It's just me and her, Dave. No, it's just you and and the wife, huh? Yeah, Russell goes with over to you know his wives and blake said his wives are girlfriends so it's basically just me and her and we had ours last night and she went over today and had it with her mother she's gonna probably stay with her mother this weekend so so what did you what did you have yesterday ham sandwich <laughs> and some chips oh really that yep. was your thanksgiving yep man what man her head you should have told me i'd invited you to my house ah, well, you just... should come you know what we're having tomorrow because uh, i can't cook i usually cook up thanksgiving mm-hmm. all right and uh, the family comes well half of my family is heading down to texas to be with uh, another part of the family <coughs> and the other half are coming over to my house so uh, and then robert steinbach is coming to my house so i decided since i'm encumbered right now <laughs> with this uh, antibiotic uh, bag that i walk around that contains a pump and it's pumping antibiotics in 24 7 and this uh uh wound vac that i have that's hooked up to the wound on my foot that since i had that instead of cooking it myself this year i'm buying it from kroger well i I got the girl that owns uh brett weiser meat market down there yeah. Uh, she does the same thing. She'll cook the whole meal for you, and all you got to do is come by and pick it up. And everything. And that's what I, I'm doing tomorrow. And I'm having, instead of having turkey, we're doing prime rib. Well, she made me a ham because we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner Friday. A little small one up there at the cabin. It'd be me okay. and Russell, and it'd be five or six of us up there. My little brother oh, would yeah. be there. And he, you know, so we're just, I got a ham, and we're going to have some green beans. I'll cook some green beans, some other stuff go along with it. And, mm-hmm. You know, we'll have a small Thanksgiving, you know, dinner up there. But, uh, you know, it's just another day, Dave. It kind of gets that way as you get older. Well, you know. Because your kids grow up and they got families of their yeah, own. You know, they're all going to their to their wife's parents' house. And, and, you know, and I understand because, you know, when my mother was alive, I mean, there was – I come from a large family. And there was nothing for us, 70, 80 of us, to be at my mother's house on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Now, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, but, you know, it ain't that way no more. It's just mainly me and her. So, you know, we just, we had our Thanksgiving ham sandwich last night and, you know. Yeah. My brother, uh, Johnny, lives up in uh, uh, central Indiana. Mm-hmm. And then Don, my middle brother, lives in gillette wyoming so it's not like it's possible for us all to get together like we used to now if my if either my mother or my father would be alive 
we would be at their houses like my mother we you know my mother when she said thanksgiving dinner be ready at one o'clock at one o'clock she had it ready and you you better be there bring your bring your uh, appetite because she cooked enough and uh, she always made me a pecan pie and put it in the closet because i always took it deer hunting with me all right so my sister always used to gripe about it well come he gets a pecan pie and we don't get one she always told him i was special <laughs> <laughs> that'll make your sister angry oh yeah i went up there one time my sister she said i snuck back there and got me a piece of it did you she she snuck up and got <laughs> yep. a piece oh, but, I understand you know, it. it's uh i'd rather be sitting on a stand deer hunting even if i don't see anything i don't care that about that but you know i just i get ready to take me a nap up there you uh, like the solitude well i just like sitting in the woods watching the squirrels and watching the birds and I seen some turkeys up there the first weekend of deer season. I had seven, eight of them come through. And, you know, I just, uh, peace and quiet. My phone don't ring. Yep. That's, yeah, because you're probably in a dead zone. No, the phone works. I oh, just, it will I turn, work? I turn the ringer off. Okay. I, tu- I even turn the, vib- the vibrating part off because it's my time to let my brain unwind and settle down. And I can sit there for four or five hours and... If I get tired, I lay back my head against against the wall and take me a little nap. I was reading an article today, and it said that our sense of smell is the the sense that is most uh, closely tied to memory, which I thought was kind of interesting. But it makes sense to me because. If I walk into the house and uh, you know Linda's doing something and making a uh, a dish or whatever that my mom used to make, I'll smell that it like that bring back all kinds of memories mm-hmm. to me of, of what uh, of, of you know Thanksgiving. I just remember uh, a, a lot of things about Thanksgiving and especially, of course, about Christmas. Christmas. There's so many memories wrapped around that. That's just really crazy. And uh, it's it's just such a special. This is just my favorite time of the year. I wish it was a little warmer, to be honest. But because, <laughs> I, don't. because I grew up up in northwest Indiana. So yeah. I grew up in the cold. And uh, yeah, I, but I would like to have a around, though, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Up by Chicago? Oh, yeah. yeah. You, your chances of having a white Christmas in Chicago is about 70%. Really? Yeah. Because you got the lake. You're right there at the lip of the lake. Yeah, you get the lake effect snows. Lake effect snows and all of that. And, yeah, that was a that was a special time. But, yeah, now, you know, I and now that I've lost all this weight, <laughs> I've lost 75 pounds Gets now. cold quick now, don't you? But, finally, I'm at a good BMI. Believe it or not, Good. I, it, it told me that I'm at a healthy BMI. And I think that's your underweight when you hit your BMI because you look at what they say, and it seems like to me you can be really, really low as far as, as that's concerned. Yeah, and, you know, and, and another thing too, Dave, when, when, you're, when, you go, when you get away from home and my phone rings 150 times a day, Mm-hmm. Sit, sitting here right now it's already rung four times and i got right. four messages you know uh it, it's just nice when you sit there i turn my phone upside down and set it on the deal and don't about, worry about and it and about it about every hour i'll check to make sure Teresa had called me or 
you know one of my kids called me or my brother called me checking on because we check on one another all you know the time we're in the stand because as you know they were all getting older so you know and if somebody shoots somebody sends a message out is everybody okay you know yeah what you get yeah yeah they do that was it what her? you get now most time was that you <laughs> you know but they know i usually i'm gonna pull the trigger one time right you know and so but it, it's it's just nice to be up there it's all wooded you know it's all oak trees you know there's a there's a couple of of cedar trees and stuff on the ground but uh, it's just nice just to sit there i was up there that first week of gun season and i sat there on tuesday at uh monday afternoon when it started snowing oh you got snow up there yeah, already. it got about an inch really yeah when that storm come through up there that monday yeah yeah, yeah it snowed about an inch it, it covered the ground it didn't cover the roads but it covered the grass and everything right but it was neat sitting there watching the big old snowflakes fall out of the sky i mean mm-hmm. i've been up there a few times when it's done that i mean that's uh me and her was up there one time in february and it snowed 14 inches <laughs> on us yeah, yeah. You, you didn't go anywhere for a while, did you? Uh, we had the players. You know, we could go anywhere on it wanted to go. Oh, okay. So. I'll tell you what. The thing that's cool about sitting up in a stand, and I've sat up in a stand, and I've uh, uh, just got a note from Joe. He's not going to make it today. He's hung up at at the, uh, at the, the shop. Office. So there's something going down. So yeah. he's taking care well, of business. I got two trucks that I'm that, – they're – we was going to close up today about three o'clock but i got two trucks there trying to get out because the customers want to go home so right. they're off the interstate so they're they're still there trying to get them out but i just talked to russell right before i walked in he said he's close to sending them home so okay well, that's good so but you know dave when you're sitting up there and you see them big old snowflakes fall out of the sky in one minute it's it's rain up there that that two at monday about one o'clock it was raining about two o'clock it started sleeting and about two thirty it turned over to pure snow and and it was snowing hard i mean within 30 40 minutes the ground had turned white right it ain't nothing like sitting deer hunting with the ground turned white that's good it makes it easy to spot deer yeah, typically they, they can't hide when it turns white. you better you better but yeah, you can you know, I bet was, on that i was sitting there and in, in uh, monday afternoon it was right at dark and these turkeys come out on me and there's a cedar tree right off the edge of my my clerk and my uh, food plot that I got, and them turkeys, four of them got up underneath that cedar tree and was huddled together. Really? Yep. Then as soon as it started getting dark, they flew up in a tree above me and, and roosted. Well, I, I got to tell you what, what I really liked, and this happened several years <laughs> back. I, I uh, when I first went deer hunting here in Arkansas, I went up north uh, towards Leslie mm-hmm. is where I was up, and I would go with Tim Hankey. Uh, who does painting mm-hmm. here in the area, and uh, Steve and some other guys. And I was in a stand on the side of a big oak tree, and I was, uh, it was just an open stand. I mean, no box or anything like that. And the wind was howling up there in those hills. And I got to tell you what, that w- that tree was <laughs> just moving back and forth. It was swaying and it was creaking. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of got a little bit uptight that it was going to snap because it was starting to make a lot of noise. But it didn't. But that was one of the wildest rides I've ever had while I was out deer hunting. The stands I hunt in up there, I mean, I've got a couple just tied to the trees, a couple lean-up stands, but yeah. most all of mine are box stands. Yeah. Uh I got one that's six foot six inches wide and eight foot long. 
It's got wow. five. It's got five windows in it. It's got a hundred pound propane bottle sitting behind it. Keep it with warm a, with a three burner stove in it. Yeah, keep it I warm. built it for me and my granddaughter. When she was younger, she used to, she always wanted to go with me, so I built me and her a stand on on a on a on a skids where I could move it around when I wanted to, and she'd take my coat, make her a pillow right in front of the stove, and curl up and go to sleep. Yep, and she she always took her some kind of game or something. She'd sit out in the floor because I got it where she could sit out in the floor and couldn't you know they couldn't see her moving around and stuff. But I still got that stand. That's where I was sitting when it started snowing the other day. So how's it been for you this year? Uh, I think I think Russell told me the total everybody had killed seven or eight deer. Okay, mostly mostly does. No, they killed uh, six point. Uh, Tim, the guy that works for me, killed a nice twelve point. I remember you showing me the picture of that. That my was amazing. My little brother killed a six point, and the rest of them was does. Okay, see, I, I, got, I got one up there. It's got one horned Dave, and it's about that long. Yeah, and he's showing in between his fingers, about three inches. Yeah. And, and the ears covered up. Okay. And I told every one of them, I said, before y'all pull the trigger, to kill better a look. dog, you better, you better let him turn that head and look at you because I draw the bead on him, and he turned that head and looked straight at me, and they're about three inches long. But he don't have but one on the left side, and the ear covers it up. And you, until he looks at you, you can't see it. Okay. And I told every one of them boys, I said, y'all better look close before you pull the trigger on a doe. Well, I'm, I tend to hunt dough for the simple reason I think they taste better well, after you process them because they don't have all the hormones of the rut in in their bloodstream. If I'm going to kill a dough, I'm going to kill one that, before I gut it, weighs about 90 pounds. That gives you about 60 pounds of good meat that's good and tender. It's it's young. It's, I mean, the meat's pink-looking instead of, you know, got the old dark-looking yeah. color to it. When they, especially old Buck, when he gets up in four or five years old, you know it gets tough and you know because he he is the king of the hill up there you know yeah. but but we have a good time i mean you know it's uh it ain't nothing fancy but i got all comfort at home no that's all that matters all the way down to satellite tv all right so duck's going to be here with me for this hour of the dave ellswick show we'll talk a little bit more maybe a little bit more deer hunting we'll uh, take talk calls a football too let's play we can talk a little basketball mm-hmm. the They're razorbacks doing, doing well that was a heck of a shot the other night against south dakota state no against uh georgia tech oh yeah georgia tech that's right and he made that he banked that shot off of the off the the backboard that was jones wasn't it to hit that is that who it was Zach? i think it was jones it yeah. was jones yeah yeah it, it was him i mean he basically that was a wing and a prayer and yeah. just threw it up he, and it went in one of the ugliest shots you'll ever see <laughs> but i what i really liked is uh, the coach he went down did you see he went down to the to georgia tech's bench and he was talking to one specific player down there mm-hmm. maybe somebody i guess he's played maybe uh you know with them on the road or whatever and the coach is saying, "Get up here!" He's screaming at me. Get back to the bench. Yep, he was. You know, he still got a tenth of a second left here. Yeah, one tenth of a. You second. You can lose in one tenth of a second. All right, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, Duke going down to to Stephen F. Austin. That was a stunner for everybody. They just been named number one uh, in the country. Not any longer. They're going to no. fall. I tell you, the team that's showing that they got a lot of growing to do and that's kentucky we got stuff to talk about here on the dave ellswick show by unranked team yep back with more in a moment 
All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, if you're a basketball fan like I am, out at the Maui Invitational, Kansas leading Dayton right now, 24-19. About 11 minutes left in the first. Uh, Michigan State knocked off UCLA today, kind of in the consolidation game at the Maui Invitational, 75-62. And uh, we got UVA right now is uh, in the lead on the team that they're playing 35-21. That's all action in the ACC. So that's what's going on right now. I'll be watching college basketball probably a little bit tonight. I like college basketball. I'm real into basketball. I'm from Indiana. That probably, I would hope, explains a lot to you if you know anything (laughs) about Indiana. And, uh, you know, because when the, you hear the ball on the court in Indiana, that's the heartbeat of the state, I'm just telling you. Well, it's kind of like, you know, it's it's kind of like Alabama in football, you know, in Indiana, because that's, you know, their, their big thing is basketball. Kind of yep. like Kentucky, you know, their big thing is basketball, even though the football team been doing a little better here the last few years. Yeah, and, and they've been getting pretty good crowds at their stadium, but yep. they're – they don't have a 70,000-seat stadium, oh, really? either. It's 50-something thousand. About like ours. Yeah. But, you know, Rupp Arena's got 150,000 seats. In. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but that's where, you know, that's where all the action in Kentucky happens is but in Rupp. There again, Kentucky got beat by by unranked team. and Yeah, who did they just get knocked off from? It was you know. Evansville. Yeah, Evansville. Yeah, Evansville, yeah, Evansville it, it was some little team that, that whooped them. In. But, they, you know, Evansville has a good basketball program, and about every three years they have a really good team. That, that produces. Yeah, yeah. And it, what was great is that the guy that's the head coach of that team right now what plate was it? The '86 championship for Kentucky that he played on. I think he was he was a main was he for player. Rick Pitino? I was. Yeah, I think he. I think that's right. Oh, you '96. I mean '96. I had to look into that and see, uh, but he he played on the championship team for Duke uh, for went Kentucky. Down. Yeah, they went down last night against Stephen F. Austin, and what was amazing is that the the guy who beat him, it was a little floater on uh, coming right down the lane. It's like nobody came out to, to defend him. <laughs> nobody he just blocked him. floated up and it went right through and game's over. Yep, kind of like Arkansas the other night when, you know, when, when Jones come up there and slung that ball up there and hit the backboard and went in. I mean, that yep. was... That's a great description, too, Slunk, because that's what he did. Oh, yeah. He, it, he didn't shoot it. He just slung it. He just threw it up there. Hoping for the best, and it went in. It sure did. He, yeah. caught, he had to kid back up and call a board, but, you know, it did go in. And they were, matter of fact, the commentators, I believe, were saying, you can't let Jones get the basketball, and then yep. he got it. Yeah. <laughs> and that he, happened. He just well, slung you know, it up there. He run up there and tried to shoot, then they cut him off, and he yep. backed over to the side mm-hmm. and just basically slung it up there in the air, and yeah. it just so happened it. Hit the right spot on the backboard. Gosh, I can't believe that. Yep, it was great. But you know, they, I got excited. I'll be honest with you, Ar- I got excited about it. Arkansas's got some good defensive players most of the time. They had a few letdowns the other night. They, 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 you know, but they couldn't do nothing with their big man, Georgia Tech big man in the middle. You no, know, he ate them up until they got him in foul trouble. Right, uh, they couldn't do nothing with him because. He can even lay it to leave the ground. He could go over. You know, he could just get the ball away from our guys. Over who's the, the guy that? Who's the guy who is for Arkansas playing? He's playing the post. He's Bailey. On, yeah, mm-hmm. he's like six four, six six. I think. Is yeah, he six, that's six? it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's like one of the biggest men we got right now. We were hoping for that, like, 7-1 guy to be able to get out of the portal and get to us. We got news. We'll be back. All right. Back with you. Duck is here. And Duck is uh, giving us his time today. To be honest, he should be up probably deer hunting now because it is Thanksgiving. Uh, They were finishing up at the shop today. Same thing for Joe. Joe is wrapping up his shop. And Mm -hmm. you guys taking off Thursday and Friday? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we always take Thursday and Friday. It's just too much hassle try to get everybody back up here on friday to go to work after thursday and so after eating so much and i i want to be deer hunting and my yeah. sons want to be deer hunting so you know there's about five of us there that deer hunt so we always take thursday and friday off yeah just yeah. makes it better i mean you know gives everybody a break and they work hard all all week long trying to keep stuff you know turning out of the shop and so it's good get everything done yep it's good and everybody should realize that uh Thursday's Thanksgiving, Friday. Black it's, Friday. It's, it's just, yeah, well, it's Black Friday, and it's basically a day off for everybody. Yeah, because, you, you know, you got the Razorback football game, which I don't know. I'm not going to be watching the Missouri game. I don't know if they could win. I, I don't think. No, I don't think they're going to win. I think, I think they've won what games they're going to win, and uh, we got to keep our fingers crossed that the uh, – you know the 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 sports uh, uh, not sports director, but the uh, uh, athletic director. athletic director has some inside information on somebody who wants to come to Arkansas and be the head football coach here. I think that's the problem, Dave. I don't think nobody wants to come because it's so far down, and it's going to take you know. I, I don't know. You know, it looks better than what it did look, but it's still a long way. Doesn't look much better than no. it did look. I mean, you say all you want about Bielema. He could at least win more than two games a, a season. Yes. You know, as far as that was concerned. Yeah. Might and, not be the best teams, but he could win a few games. So. Yeah. And, and we've lost games this year that no way we should have lost. Oh, no. No, no. not. But uh, look, I, I know we don't have the greatest talent. But I know we got better talent that, to be honest, we should win against Western Kentucky. I know that oh, Western yeah. Cup to Kentucky is better than what a lot of people think they are. Mm-hmm. However, they shouldn't be able to beat even a, a down SEC team. Yeah, it shouldn't be able to beat us 45 to – actually, it should have been 45 to 10, but I think they felt sorry and let us score right there at the end. But, you know, it, it's – Basketball's coming though. I think our basketball, basketball team. team. So Musselman looks like he's got something going there. He doesn't have any height. Yep. But you know what? If you got people who have a can-do spirit and give you a hundred and ten percent whenever they're on the court, yep. You it's can you win can game. You can win games that you're not supposed to win. Yeah, and that's all you can ask for is that you know is to. To you know, just give me one hundred ten percent. I'll be satisfied with the rest of it. Yeah. Hey, Zach, did you did you hear anything about the story about this seven three kid? Why they didn't say it was all right for him to play this year? Uh, Connor Vanover. I'm about to grab to pull up an article and see what they said about it. I mean, uh, the NCAA said they can't. He can't play, and I don't understand what the problem was. So he'll look and see if he can figure that out. I don't think they out. know. I think they decided that he can't play. But yeah. I do know this. Even at 7'3", he's kind of like 
a drink of water. You yeah, know? he slammed. They got yeah, to get, got, they gotta get, get him in. Him. Well, they'll put some meat on him. They'll get him in the weight room and and get him eating like he's a yeah. you know a starving man. And uh, he'll put on some muscle. Yeah, and then then he'll be able to push him out of his way. Then yeah, well, it's not so much pushing him out of the way as we want him to get in there and set some good picks. Yeah, and fight for, for the with those fast guys. Yeah. You know, that's what we want him to do. So we've got some good ball players. But, but Dave. They know, will be competitive. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think we'll do be a whole lot better than what we was last year. Oh, uh, should be. You know, uh, you've got, you know, we got two or three good shooters. You know, like Jones, I mean, he is a he is a good pair of shooter. And then you got Isaiah Joe, mm-hmm. which is, a, you know, he's a good pair of shooter, which he shot good the first half, the first seven eight ten minutes and then he got cold i mean he just in second half arkansas got cold yeah the whole team got cold. yeah they i mean went, they, they could went, not make it from the free throw line or from the or from the court the, well something like the last five minutes of the second half they never scored a point yeah and you know and, and thank still god neither up. could uh, georgia tech well <laughs> they, they was they did score a few in the third but i mean in the, in the there's a lot half, of bricks but, being shot up yeah they threw a lot of bricks up against there and they didn't they didn't go through they stuck on the backboard yeah but speaking of, of uh, thanksgiving dave and everything you know everybody just traveling this weather's coming in tonight be Most careful be rainy you know if you're going out west you better not go because i mean snow I, yeah they talking about denver talking about 18 inches i of know snow, snow. <laughs> you know all across interstate we're talking 70, real snow here all across interstate 70 you know they was talking about the interstate being shut shut down, down. And, stuff. Mm-hmm. and we got a friend that uh, his house burned a couple of weeks ago and their son lives out in he works for google out in denver and they left out monday about two o'clock monday afternoon headed that way I hadn't heard from him. See how far he Uh-oh. got before we run into problem. But I'm going to tell you what: you're going up the Chicago land area, there's it's not going to be a lot of snow, but the wind is going to be a problem. Yeah, they're talking about 50 and 60 mile an hour 60 wind. 60 mile per hour steady yep. winds. I mean, I, if you've never been downtown Chicago, it's like a wind tunnel. Okay, it is a wind tunnel there on the lake, and that's even when the wind is just blowing 15, 20. Really? You get the wind blowing at 60, it's like hurricane force. I bet it is. You'll, you, you've seen the old comedies of the guys walking down the streets, and they're leaning into the wind, yeah. and they're like 45-degree angle to the street. That's trying, exactly, trying walk, yeah, so that's that's exactly is, huh? the way it is. It is just that way. I'll never forget taking a girl that I was dating. Her name was Liz Dickens. She was in Louisville, Kentucky. She'd never seen a lot of snow. She comes walking out in a peacoat, if you know what a peacoat is, navy peacoat. Mm-hmm. And I said, sweetheart, I said, you need a coat. <laughs> I said, that's a sweater. You need a coat to go up home where I'm from. So uh, mom, I called mom. Mom says, just tell her to come up. I, she, they figured out she had about the same body structure, and mom was going to give her a coat to wear and a hat and all that. So I took her downtown Chicago to go see the movie The Sting. You remember when that was out? Mm-hmm. And it was cold. Oh, I bet it, it was cold. It was cold. With wind chill, it was about probably 25 below zero. <laughs> and uh, we're walking down Michigan, get to Randolph, cutting up the state. And that wind was just cutting like a knife mm. down the roads. 
We looked like dumb and dumber by the time we got to, to the state theater. The snot frozen to the front of our faces and all of that. It was disgusting. But we, you made it, though. We made it. We we went and saw the movie, and we we almost went and bought tickets for the next showing so we didn't have to go back outside. <laughs> so we didn't have to walk back It home. was cold, but the wind was going to be at our back, and she was amazed that it kept, like, lifting her up. Yeah, moving her was, down Yeah, the moving her down the road. So yeah, it was cold. Didn't take near as long to get home. So yeah, no. And I and and there was nine inches of snow on the ground, <laughs> and she was freezing. Oh, I she bet. says I don't ever want to come back to this city again. <laughs> that was her exact words. It was a short-lived relationship. <laughs> what can I tell you? Hey, right. She didn't. She was afraid you'd take her back to Chicago. Yeah, she was. Um, probably the truth of the matter. All right, a break. We got more coming your way. Dave Ellswick show ducks here. Robert Steinbach has just walked in. We'll get him to join the conversation here as well on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach. Yes, sir. Did you like the picture I sent you today? You sent me a bunch of stuff. I sent you a picture of Donald Trump. Did you look at it? Yeah, you know, I I wasn't sure if it was spam because it looked a little... uh, Donald Trump as a professional wrestler. Yeah, I thought thought maybe your phone was hacked or something, so I was was hesitant to open that up. No, it was so great. I just want you to get me one of these bobbleheads. Oh, oh, that yeah, I got good. here? Yeah. Good. It's a good one. Yeah. That's good. That was that was brought to me by the chairman of the uh, state Republican Party, Doyle Webb. He brought that back from the inauguration for that's the a, studio. That's a pretty neat bobblehead. Yeah, I, it is. I've not seen none of them like that. I've, I've seen a couple of them, but none, you know, none looks, looks like that one. I've got to put up my new flag that I've got that says Trump 2020. That'll go up behind me, and we'll, we'll move the... The banner that's there right now, we'll move it around in here somewhere so that it can still hang. But yep. it maybe we'll hang it over yeah. the glass looking over in the uh, studio, the fish studio. We'll make, hang it over there. So I get that done. Yesterday I was watching it. Uh, I remember which one of the news. I think it was Fox and Friends I was watching, and they was talking about some of the Democrats now are it backed out on this impeachment deal with Trump. Well, it's I won't say they have backed out. They want them to not impeach. They would much rather have them censor uh, the president, which is like getting a slap on your wrist. I just think that's like slapping your finger. Yeah, and the president's going to laugh about it, and he'll use it to uh, oh, it'll be a campaign against, rally against the, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah against the Democrats. It'll be no it, doubt. It, it would actually be a plus. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it will make him shine because that's right. You know, I I, I I look at it this way: I, we're giving them money. At least they can do something for us. Well, did you see um, a million dollar earning uh, Hunter Biden? Because by the way, it went from fifty thousand to eighty three thousand mm-hmm. per month. Right. Whenever you hear the, the eighty three or the three at the end of a monthly payment, you know it comes to a round figure because mm-hmm. it's twelve months, right? Right. So I'm I have no doubt if it was eighty three, it's really eighty three 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 three, whatever you know. Okay. And that comes to exactly one million dollars. One million dollars. So Dave, can I get me a job making eighty three? I'll cheat. I'll take twenty thousand a month. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're not making eighty three a, a month at, at the shop there. Maybe eighty three. Eighty three dollars. Eighty three dollars yeah. exactly, <laughs> and thirty three cents. Right. Yeah. And that's a thing. close. So the, the, he of taxpayers' money. Exactly. He he gets paid a million dollars. It smells terrible 
And what does the mainstream media say? They say, this is a debunked theory. Well, what's the theory, by the way? There's no theory. There's a question. How does a guy who's apparently smoking crack at uh, uh, strip clubs in D.C. Uh, make a million dollars a year in a country he's never been to before? And in something an he doesn't know about. Uh, and, right. And the topic he has no expertise in. I'll tell you how. The way he said how. He said it in the interview. Well, I'm not sure I would have got that job if my name wasn't Biden. That's right. That's how. That's how. Yep. Exactly how. That's why it shouldn't be legal. And I don't think it really is. Well, there's certainly a question, right? There's a question about the propriety of all that behavior. And so when Donald Trump says, uh, let's look into that, and the Dems' response is, well, you know, I wish it was only the Dems. It's the media is complicit. Yeah, they're working with the Dems now. It's just complicit, and so they they say, "Well, uh, it's uh, this is a debunked theory about wrongdoing." Excuse me. Oh, and and that the president is uh, looking to get dirt on his opponent. Here's the thing: if you're an opponent, and I don't think Biden's going to get that nomination in any event, but if you're an opponent, doesn't give you absolution from. Uh, being investigated or punished for wrongdoing. So if she's, if he's rather uh, um, involved in wrongdoing, guess what? I don't care if you're an opponent. And so that's that missing step that both the media and the Democrats don't want to talk about. Yes, he may be the opponent. Yep. Where's the causal connection as to the fact that he's the opponent versus I've seen a lot of press about this. Yes, I'll grant you this. Trump focuses on issues that catch his eye, often on news programs. Yep. He's allowed to do that. And I'm not here to say it's right. I'm not here to say it's wrong. Yeah. He's allowed to do it. And then they say, well, and there's, there's nothing to that theory. That's the other thing. He's actually allowed to be wrong. Meaning, he could, have a, he could think something wrong went on, and then an investigation happens. You know what they determined? Nothing wrong. All right. That's why we do an investigation. Move on about our business. Right. Did you happen to hear um, Congressman Hill when he was on today at I caught about five minutes of it Did you hear him talking about the battle that goes on in the State Department? He said he was talking about what it was like during the Reagan administration. And he says, and I'm sure it's the same way during the Trump administration where you got, you know, you got the bureaucrats that are in there and they don't like the way things are going. And the administration wants to do something a different way. They don't want They're to the do resistance. it a different way. Yeah, and they do. They are the, they are the built-in re- resistance. Uh, Dave, I told you before on the air about the time when I met with some folks from what's called USAID. That's a subsidiary of the State Department. And and it was in Israel. And there was some controversy because they had, given, they had built a sports facility in the Arab section of Jerusalem and it was named initially, it was changed after a terrorist and I said to the person who was in charge who was there, the top person wasn't there at the the time uh, uh, what happened with you guys temporarily naming this facility after a terrorist and she sort of mockingly said, well you know one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter I said yeah but he's my terrorist. <laughs> Meaning, even though there are other people that disagree, I can tell you what I think of him. He's a right, terrorist. Right. And the point of this whole story is to say they are so leftist in their philosophy. Like, yeah, terrorist, freedom fighter, whatever. Sure. Not whatever. No. And that's the problem. The State Department has a bunch of entrenched leftists. And that is the hardest environment to clean out in all of government. Yeah. 
and, and we've talked about that before. And, you know, people get in there, elected to the presidency. Donald Trump wasn't a politician. He wouldn't know that you got to go in and you're going to have to clean out that like a den of rats. Yep. To be able to swamp, do what you want to do. It. Yeah, well, it, I don't think the president understood. Maybe it's deeper than the hip boots that he put on when he stepped into it. Yeah, I think it went over his head. It's possible. Yeah, and, you know, but but he has done a good job, Dave. Look at, look at the stock market today. Well, yeah, I agree. He's We're done a great job. Again. I mean, uh, we got new trade agreements with Japan. Yeah. With France. We will with Mexico and Canada as, as soon as Pelosi gets off her butt and brings it to a vote. Uh, things are working uh, more uh, judiciously as far as time goes with China now. China's yes. working through things with us. And that's why even they, they got this whole impeachment fiasco going on, uh, the, the, the stock market's not freaking out. There's good things happening. Oh yeah, a lot of good things happening. Yeah, and it's amazing, you know, when you look at stock market. Yeah, it may have a down or two day, but then all at once you look and it rallies back above into new territory again. Well, it's sitting know. over twenty eight thousand points right now. It's doing well. My four hundred one k is looking pretty good. I got to tell you that. Yep. I want it to keep growing. That's why I'm still working because uh, the O eight turn downturn uh, <laughs> took about forty grand from me. I'm trying to make that money back, and as long yep. as the president keeps the stock market going the way it is, I just might be able to turn that around. Yeah, they was back three days in, in 08 that I thought I was going to have to send them some more money because they about used all mine up. Yeah, that's the truth. But, you know. I'm watching Robert. He's just, he's just in there <laughs> nodding. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm going to tell you what. What you just heard us talking about sitting here, that's the kind of conversation that's going on around the average American's table of course of course yes you know well and this is the the point about um donald trump is that he spoke to the common person interest now the left is saying oh it's all a bunch of lies look the the american people have a funny habit of being able to decide for themselves exactly uh, what's what's right and what's wrong and what's true and what's not and what's shinola right we're not near as dumb as they is is they let on that we are well you know what i say i ain't nearly as dumb as i look so but uh, you know when the opponent in the last election said hey if you're thinking about voting for donald trump you're deplorable can i have your vote and then she wondered why you didn't vote for her well, here's the thing. Don't call me names. Don't call me an idiot. Uh, they don't they want my vote. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, Dave, did you see the new uh, Tesla truck come out? Yeah. Did you see him throw the rock through the window? Yeah. What was up with did, that? How was that not? They were supposed to have been bulletproof. I, what did I was you told. see the stock for Tesla? Uh, it dropped, yeah. It almost tanked out. Really? Yeah. That is about one ugly-looking truck. I mean, it looks like a DeLorean truck. That's exactly what I told my wife. Right. I said, hey, they got the DeLorean back out. That's right. That you know, if you get in that truck, truck and you drive 88 miles an hour, you go into the future. There you go. <laughs> you leave two far marks on the, on the, That's on the right. asphalt. That's exactly right. you take off and go back. Now, at your shop, do you have a, a time travel adjuster? No, what's that, a flux capacitor adjuster? That's it, a flux I'll probably capacitor. get one, though. You'll get one, yeah. <laughs> you need one. But, yeah. You need but one. when that guy reared back and throwed that 
that round ball and it it, it shattered that one night. I, I thought, and then oh. he did it twice, didn't he? Didn't yeah, he? yeah. Right. He, he picked it back up. They said, "Well, that was just a fluke." So he right. picked it up and whirled it the back one, and it went through it too. And I thought, "Oh goodness!" You know. Yeah. Then they was talking about how it's supposed to be bulletproof, and right? The, you know, when the sides are supposed to be bulletproof and all that, but. I don't care what you say. That's one. Don't you guys think truck. that the back looks like the Honda pickup? The bed looks Pretty like close. a Honda. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah, looks like that. Pretty yeah, close. That's what it looks like. Hey, we're out of time, Doc. Thanks, Dave. You need to get up in the deer stand. I'll uh, take care of you. You going up late tonight? You said, or are you going to go I, up in the morning? If she goes, I'll wait and go in the morning. But if she don't go, I'm gonna go tonight, so I can go hunt in the morning. All right, get so, up early. Yeah. Crack I'll, it on. I'll be sitting in the stand about 20 to 6 in the morning. There you so go. Don't shoot anything that's uh, smaller than a dog. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I but don't. it's so tender. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. Chris Corbett, who's on the show all the time, yeah. we joke with him because the first time he went hunting. He, he went midget deer yeah, hunting. Yeah, he, got, he, got, he killed two dogs with, with antlers. <laughs> that's what he did. <laughs> you know? yeah. All right. Let's get a break. Thank you, News is next. Robert, back with me for the final hour. necessarily reflect those of UALR or the Bowen School of Law, although his opinions are correct. Uh, stocks rose slightly today, building on their record-setting run after the release of stronger-than-forecast economic data. How often have we heard that particular phrase, Robert? Yeah, almost every week. More, right? You know, more than uh, release a stronger-than-forecast. The S&P 500 climbed uh, four-tenths of a percent. The 3153, while the NASDAQ composite advanced seven tenths to 8705. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 42, 32 points or two tenths of a percent. It now sits, as we go into the Thanksgiving weekend, 28,164. The averages posted fresh intraday records and notched their fourth straight days of gains huge huge news today this from the ap a series of government reports today cast a picture of a steadily growing u.s economy fueled by solid consumer spending and defined threats at least for now from a u.s china trade war and a global slowdown the commerce department estimated that the economy grew at a 2.1 percent annual rate over the summer, better than it had previously estimated. Other reports showed stronger consumer spending and a rebound in orders for big-ticket manufactured goods. 
for the July-September quarter, the rise in the gross domestic product, the economy's total output of goods and services exceeded the government's initial estimate a month ago of a 1.9% annual rate. A key reason is that businesses didn't cut back on investment spending as much as first was estimated. The economy had begun the year on a sizzling 3.1% GDP rate, fueled largely by the now-faded effects of tax cuts and increased government spending. Many analysts worry that GDP growth is slipping in the current October-December quarter to a 1.4% annual rate or less as business investment weakens further. We'll see. I'm just saying right now. Right. We'll see. This is what the mainstream media wants to happen. The problem is it's not happening. Not yet. Not yet. And I don't mean by by not yet. I don't mean to suggest it will. I'm just saying that the the problem with the mainstream media is they keep hoping and hoping and hoping something will go wrong uh, in the economy. And so far, it has not done so. Yeah. Sat and listened to Congressman Hill today and said, you know, we got 11 years going on right now of building a GDP, which is unprecedented. But when you have a climate for business, because, as he said, you've taken the wet blanket of regulation off the economy, it grows. Of course it does. There is a simple concept that seemingly people, particularly on the left, don't want to acknowledge oh economics that's exactly right <laughs> i mean it can't and, and here's it. how economics works folks it's very simple you don't need a phd economics says the more resistance uh the harder it is to do something and you might say well that's in everything yes economics isn't only about business it's about everything in life the more resistance the harder it is to achieve an outcome so increase taxes increase regulation uh, and you, those are both resistance. And then you decrease productivity. You decrease output. If you turn it around, if you reduce those, well, sure enough, you get a more thriving economy. And the left truly does not want to acknowledge that because they believe that if you tax the rich, we'll all be better off and the economy will grow. It's sort of like the debate about... The minimum wage. People say, well, they need uh, workers who make less than $15 need $15 because that's a living wage. Okay, I'm sure. I'd be happy for everybody to make $15 or more an hour. So I'm not only, pu- only if the economy will support it. Well, and that's, and that's the point, Dave, right? Because you mandate it's $15 an hour, and then the businesses will keep some of their employees and they'll get raises. Absolutely. But guess what? Throughout the economy, some people will lose their jobs. Yes, they well, will. I won't have wrong, wrong. It's just basic math. You increase the cost of anything, and the purchaser buys less. What are we increasing the cost of here? Labor. You increase the cost of labor, and then employers buy less of it. Which is the most and the highest cost of doing business. That's right. That's right. And so again, if you're one of the people who keeps his job then you're better off because now you got a pay raise. If you're somebody who lost his job, you're worse off. So I'm not saying that a minimum wage is good or bad. I'm saying you have to decide if you're willing to take the costs with 
the benefits. And the left never talks about the costs. So much so now I've actually heard them say, no, no, there's no, de- there's no decrease in the amount of people that work. It's just, see, that's just kind of fantasy land, make-believe, rainbow and unicorn logic. That's, that's it, what they're good for. Right. That's, that's Soviet economics. That's what the Soviets said. They said, no, you take it away from uh, – you take capital away from capitalists. You give it to the government. We control input and output, and, you, and, and we're all better off. And that's why they all stood on bread lines, Dave. Right? Yeah. Because you remember Long the Long li- bread lines. Right. You remember the line about uh, the Soviet um, economy. It was, uh, we pretend to work, and you pretend to pay us. Nobody does anything <laughs> because there's no incentive involved. So you, are you going to – do backbreaking work when the government's giving you a dollar a day, whether or not you do, because there's no uh, there's no economic system to monitor that. Do you but, remember the story about Khrushchev's wife when she visited the United States with Nikita Khrushchev, and she walked into an American grocery store and burst into tears? Mm-hmm. Doesn't surprise me. I'm I'm not familiar with it, but it doesn't because surprise me. Because there's a whole lot of food there. You know, sure. that's what you're supposed exactly. to find at the grocery exactly. store in the Soviet Union. That's what you didn't find That's in exactly grocery right. stores. That's exactly right. Well, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Political wonder kind Peter Buttigieg has moved into second place in the Democratic presidential nomination race. Polling showed uh, yesterday that support for progressive ex-frontrunner Elizabeth Warren sliding as voters sour on her universal health care proposal. And I said all along, when people start figuring out how, um, you know, if you wanted to know how, you know, expensive health care could, could get, wait till it's free by the government. Uh, Buttigieg, the moderate millennial mayor of South Bend, Indiana, leapfrogged the race's main liberal candidates, Warren and Bernie Sanders, to claim second behind the resilient national leader. I love that. That's written in such a way. You know, I, exactly. I, I think of a Soviet poster where the guy is standing on the poster and he's he's holding the uh, the big uh, sledgehammer over his head. That's that's kind of how I see when I, I hear the uh, resilient national leader, Joe Biden, according to Quinnipiac. Uh, former Vice President Biden leads with 24 uh, percent. Then you've got um, what's it say here? It's a rise of three percentage points and a reclaiming of poll position since Quinnipiac's last poll on October 24th when he trailed Warren. Buttigieg jumped from 10 to 16. Warren's support was halved from 28 to 14, and Sanders slid three points to 13. The survey of who Democrats want to challenge President Donald Trump in November shows billionaire former New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg, who only recently launched his presidential bid, tied for fifth place with 3% support. So $30 million in. A lot of people are saying that Warren peaked too early. It's an interesting question. I had, on your show early on, predicted, mind you, with some hesitation, of course, that Warren would be the Democratic nominee. So I'm going to try to stick with that as long as possible. Okay. Just to be clear, it's not that I like her. Uh, I actually think she's one of the worst candidates. Uh, she's the most beatable, I believe. Right. So that's the question, right? Do we want... 
I, of course, we want we want Trump to win. So in in most respects, we want the most beatable. But if I'm trying to look at it objectively, while talking on your show about who amongst the Democrats I like the most or hate the least, however you want to phrase it. <laughs> Uh, she is one that I like the least or near the least I don't because of her policies. Yeah. And also she's duplicitous. So it's an awful combination. She talks down her nose and at that, you. And you know, and that's right. She really does talk down. She, she's demeaning in yeah, the way yeah. she speaks. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And so I've always because said... Because she's a college professor. Yeah, that's right. And trust me, I've worked with enough... Uh, leftist uh, college professors across this country uh, in in conferences, etc., to know that they often talk down their noses at people. Yeah. So, I think, I've said all along as well, I think that uh, Amy Klobuchar uh, seems the most down-to-earth and the most reasonable in her policy proposals. Kind of dangerous. Right, right. So I, if I were a Democrat, I would choose her. But if I'm a Republican or supporting the Republican candidate, you know, I'm actually registered independent. Uh, yeah. I've stayed that way. Um, so I don't vote in the primaries, uh, but I uh, vote Republican in the general, of course. And uh, from that perspective, that's a different question. I actually think uh, Joe Biden is the most beatable. That's why I think it's somewhat ironic. Well, when, it's very close. Right. I, I, mean, think that, I think that's true. But I think it's ironic when you hear the Dems saying, well, Trump thought thinks that Biden's going to win the nomination, and that's why he was uh, going after him personally. That's what motivated him, yada, 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 right? right. Well, what, what I think is ironic about that is that, well, first of all, I don't think Trump, excuse me, that Biden is the most likely nominee. So I don't think Trump thinks Biden is the most likely nominee. I just don't think that's an accurate uh, interpretation of, of reality. And then secondly, uh, if Biden, excuse me, if Trump wanted to go after Biden, thinking that Biden was the nominee, he would hold off, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't bring out that information oh, no. when he was trying to bring it out because that would sink the Biden nomination. It's had, an, I think, an impact on it. But the biggest problem with Biden clearly has been that he's, he, he comes off as unstable. It's cream of wheat. Right. Now, people say in response, what are you talking about? His numbers are great. His numbers are good. Uh, but here's the thing. His numbers are good compared to what? They're, they're good compared to the others because the whole pool is a weak pool. And the v- vice president who, in retrospect, after Hillary lost, everybody wanted to have run in the last election should have been a runaway so far. And he's not. So while he's not... Uh, fallen to the bottom of the pile, he's not plummeted to the top. Yeah. So that's so that's why I think that his own sort of interaction with the press has hurt him. And so I don't think that even the ascribed motivation to Trump makes sense in terms of looking for dirt. If you were looking for dirt on Biden, you'd want to hold that dirt till later. Now it's going to be interesting because here's Warren's problem now. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about peaking too early. Medicare for all has grown increasingly unpopular among American voters. According to the uh, Quinnipiac poll, 36% say it is a good idea, while 52% say it's bad. 
That's a right. dr- direct That's... 180 turnaround. Bad numbers. It. Yeah, it's really bad numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that gives me hope that the American voter is actually saying, you know what? There is no money tree in my backyard, and there's not a, ba- a money tree behind, you know, Congress. Of course. Who's going to pay for all of this? Who was it? Uh, I saw where Bernie said the other day, if you make over $29,000 a year, you're going to pay an additional 4%. You know, it was interesting. That's a I, lie, by the way. I, I heard that, and I didn't hear the additional. I, I heard him say 4%. I thought 4% is much less than I'm paying now. Mm-hmm. So he wants to add 4%. Yeah, he wants to add 4%. That's what he's Right, because we don't pay do. enough in taxes already. And so, right, no, we don't. I want to pay more. I can't right. wait. Right. I can't wait to pay more. Right. Uh, I wonder, uh, can we take a look at Bernie's taxes and see whether he volunteered to give more money to the federal government on his Because fa- you but can do that. Did you notice that he used to not like millionaires and then he right. became then a he millionaire became, and now well, he doesn't like it's billionaires? It's very easy to not like, to want to tax the guy that you're not. And that's the Democratic platform, basically. Tax the guy you're not. Stick it to the other guy. And I'm not here to, to defend rich or poor. Just the notion is that we pay a lot in percent in taxes already, and I don't think we need to pay more. It is a fair comment. I think what is a fair comment is do people in the richer brackets actually pay a lower percentage than those in the lower brackets? And if that's the case, and it is certain times, by the way, Dave, that's not appropriate. Gotcha. That's a place where you could – but the problem with the the Dems and the left is – that's not enough uh, if you were to adjust that uh, uh, either – well, if you were to adjust other people's taxes down, it certainly wouldn't get more money to the government. But even if you were to theoretically adjust those people who are paying a lower percentage at, uh, even though in higher wealth than middle-income folks, uh, if you were to adjust their taxes up, it's not enough money to pay for these pie-in-the-sky, rainbow, and unicorn ideas of the left. There's a lot of them. I just got to tell you, they got a lot of them. And we've got a lot more to talk about. It's uh, Robert Steinbach, Dave Ellswick, right here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Did you see this new story coming out about Hunter Biden? Well, that's what I alluded to. When, yeah, when you were uh, talking about the 83,000? Right, but when I also mentioned the, that allegedly he was smoking crack at a, at a strip oh, yeah. club. And, well, the girl that, that Joe Biden's going to have a new grandson or daughter. Right, grandchild. And right. was working at a local strip club. Oh, is that the right? The place that uh, Hunter met her. Mm-hmm. As the Democrat-led impeachment inquiry into President Trump deepens, a spotlight has been cast on Hunter Biden, as we all know. Uh, as uh, he ventures abroad, not only in Ukraine, but in China. This hasn't been talked about where he set about investing while his dad served as vice president. The question comes as the Republicans are demanding that Hunter Biden, the 49-year-old son of Democratic presidential hopeful Joe Biden, appear before Congress to testify on his work. For almost six years, the firm connected to Hunter Biden in China has moved more than $2.5 billion dollars into various automotive, technology, energy, and mining endeavors. Analysts point to the plethora of ethical challenges of Hunter doing such deals in China while his father was in the White House. 
quote, at a time when the Obama administration was trying to pivot to Asia, a policy that ultimately fell flat, typically does for Democrats, uh, one has at least to stop and think what connections between policy and personal interests were there, said Harry Kazanius, senior director for the Center for National Interests. <coughs> While chances are Hunter Biden was doing what a lot of family members of famous politicians do, cash in on their name, it looks dirty. Biden served as one of nine directors of the private equity firm Bohai Harvest, RST, better known as BHR Partners, which is 80% mandated by shareholders in the Chinese government, according to the Wall Street Journal. Sounds not good. Do you remember Billy Carter? This is, oh, who uh, could forget I, Billy Beer? Right. I think, I think Hunter is the... Uh, the 2000s version of the 1970s uh, Billy Carter. Well, here's the key. The firm was registered less than two weeks after Biden flew with his then-Vice President father on Air Force Two for official business in China in December 2013, but his lawyer has previously stated that talks were in place months earlier. Well... I read in the Dem Gaz the other day, it said quite clearly, it was a national story. And I tend not to read the national stories in the Dem Gaz only because I also read the New York Times and I read the New York Times for the national stories, not local stories, obviously. Right. Not lo- and not local New- – I'm not particularly reading local New York stories. So – but I read this national story in the Dem Gaz and it made it explicit. It said that when Joe Biden went over to Ukraine, he asked for that prosecutor to be fired – that prosecutor was in. You know what? I think I, I'm going to read it to you. I think I saved the yeah, page. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, because it's. Well, I'll tell you what. Hold yeah, your thought. Yeah, hold that and we'll come we'll back to it. We'll pick it up yes, and sir. pick that story up when yeah, we come back. Yeah. We've got news for you. You get one minute of news and a few minutes of ads, then we'll be back. All right. Back for the final half hour of the Dave Ellswick wow. and our pre Thanksgiving Day uh, show. In the studio with me is Robert Steinbach, who will join my family tomorrow for Thanksgiving. Be two years in a row, man. That's right. This is very That's cool. Right. That's right. We had a good time last uh, year. We did, and I really appreciate you inviting me both times, and I'm holding you to it now. No, just now. hold that. It's going to be a, a yearly thing. That's now. right. At this point, there's no going back. There's no going you, back. You're Absolutely stuck. Not. You're stuck Everybody likes you. My whole family loves you. So well, I've always known that they had some deep problems, and that's only further <laughs> proof of, of that fact. <laughs> what can I tell you? Right. So the bottom line is, uh, Robert's coming over, and... He knows that I can't cook. I last year he's lucky enough when he came. Just to be clear, he, Dave can cook. He yes. just can't cook t- this now year now because right. I'm hooked up to all kinds of accoutrements, basically. Uh, and uh, so I'm buying our dinner from Kroger, who and we're doing we're doing uh, prime rib tomorrow, bro. That's I'm pretty good. To it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, Linda went to Sam's today and bought all the. Uh, really expensive uh, silverware and stuff oh, that the plastic, we use. Yeah, that's yeah. what I do. That's what I all do. All the exactly. plastic wear that's and right. the, pla- the plastic glasses and all of that. Mm-hmm. On the way home, I will pick up a bottle of Lambrusco for the dinner tomorrow. 
Very nice. So uh, I got some special wine glasses, that you, one of which you will get tomorrow. Very good. My uh, daughter and my, my grandson, Eli, will not be there. Eli has been under the weather, mm. and uh, he's still running a fever. Oh, my. And because I have MRSA, the doctors told me you I can't should have, have not have him there. You can't have anybody sick. That's there. what they That's said. Right. And yeah. so... Uh, Eli, we're going to take him his, uh, Linda will, she'll, yeah. she'll go over and right. take them their Thanksgiving so that they will have Thanksgiving right. meal as well. That's right. That's right. So I don't know. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to send him a piece of apple, a piece of uh, pumpkin and a piece of pecan pie for his uh, Thanksgiving just to see which one he likes. Uh, I'll I'll take one of each as well. Thank you. Oh, you can. Okay. No problem. <laughs> I've got two big cans of extra creamy whipped topping oh my goodness which i definitely have to have so you'll meet one of my grandsons mm-hmm. tomorrow nice you'll meet my um who else is going to be there tomorrow now family wise uh i don't even know who else is going to be there last time i met uh a son and a son-in-law both in yeah the you met john okay. and you met uh Kevin. And is either or both going to be there? No, okay. uh, neither will be there. Mm-hmm. They are gathering in Texas mm-hmm. with another part of the family, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so they'll be down there. Uh, maybe I have to have you over just before Christmas so you can have uh, a meal with us during that time. Sure. He loved talking to Kevin and to John because oh, yeah, they both had been in Afghanistan. Yeah. So you Very go, interesting to hear the first-hand accounts. Yeah, which be- wasn't, very, wasn't, wasn't very good as far as... Well, what do you think about all the money we've spent in oh, Afghanistan? Yeah, that's right. Well, they say the same thing that Colonel Reynolds say, uh, says. Is that it's like sticking your hand in a bucket of water and pulling it out and expecting to see that the hole stays there. You know, both of them said something also, I think, very interesting, um, bearing on our just prior conversation about how everything is affected by economics. And they were, I think they were both saying that they had some very good food when they went into town and they eat a lot of goat over there. Yes. And they said it was good. It was really good. And I said, were you ever worried that maybe the proprietor uh, would want to poison you or do something evil to you because they were actually subversives? And they said, here's the interesting part. No, because they want to make money like everybody else yeah, does. That's right. They want to feed their families. Stay away. Leave them alone. Right. They want to they feed Americans their Americans good. Right. <laughs> That's right. They they want to feed their families, and they got to make an income to do so and take care of their families. And they want the income from the American soldiers, Marines, Look, the the, the people of Afghanistan don't like the Taliban any more than anybody does. Exactly. They want them to stay out of their lives. And it it shows you how there really is – and this is sort of reflective of how devoid of basic understanding – some leftist philosophy really is. Capitalism is evil, says the leftist, right? You know what capitalism is? Capitalism is not the imposition of a system. Socialism is an imposed system. We take away everything that you control and we tell you how to, how to deal with it, how to do it. We tell you everything if we're socialists. We, we run your lives. Capitalism is you have stuff. I have mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. If we want if i want your car and you want my refrigerator we trade we barter peacefully right and the only thing that involves governmental intervention in capitalism because capitalism essentially exists 
on a desert island, right? You drop you and me on a desert island, island and we're capitalists because I've got coconuts and you got bananas, mm-hmm. and we trade. Yeah. And the only addition to that that defines the capitalist system is we don't let people steal. The state will prohibit stealing. So if you steal, you go to jail or get otherwise punished. That's the only intervention from government. It's the least intervention into our freedoms that any system can have. That's what capitalism. So it's not an imposed system. It's the absence of a system. And and uh, socialism and communism, which are just different degrees of the same nightmare, is where government says, no, 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 no. You have no freedom other than what we give up from governmental control. That's right. That's an imposed system. That's the difference. Capitalism, almost entirely freedom with one imposition, no theft allowed. That's the imposition. And communism, you have no freedom unless we let you have it. You choose, folks. Yeah. And also, in socialism, in communism, property rights are very, very weak, if not non-existent. In capitalism, property rights rule. You know, that Dave, you have hit exactly the right point. That's a very subtle and sophisticated point. And that is the notion of protecting against theft is another way of saying you have a property right. That's right. Because if I own this item and you take it from me and I don't have a property right, there is no concept of theft. That's right. And by the way, that's if you, Dave Ellswick, or Big Brother government takes it from me. doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Theft is theft. And so that's what defines capitalism, the respect for individual ownership. That's it. Everything else is freedom. And, of course, that's a type of freedom. We recognize that in capitalism, that's not a restriction on freedom. That's an enhancement on freedom. Because if you don't recognize property rights, then theft is allowed, and that's freedom reducing, not freedom enhancing. That's correct. So it's actually the only system, as minimal as it is, that maximizes the potential for your individual freedom and choice. That's what capitalism is. And I wish, frankly, Republicans would, be, would do, uh, generally, there are exceptions, a better job of explaining that in the face of the absurd claims by the leftists regarding socialism and communism. All right. Let me play something for you I played earlier in my show. Uh, we want to play that John Stossel part, uh, 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 Zach. You got it up? All right. John Stossel talked about the myth of Thanksgiving. There's a huge myth around Thanksgiving, and, and it's been perpetuated since about the 80s. Let's hear what John Stossel's talking about. You ready for Thanksgiving? Before you eat that turkey, I want to bust one myth. You've heard about that Thanksgiving feast, pilgrims and Indians sharing food. Sharing is nice in families and sometimes in small groups. But as Thanksgiving approaches, let's remember that when we pilgrims first came to America, we almost starved. People grew weak and thin, some swelled with hunger. That's because we settlers acted like Bernie Sanders wants us to act. We farmed collectively. The corporation that funded our expedition said, grow food together, divide the harvest equally. Bad idea. Communal farming creates what economists call 
the tragedy of the commons. Think about a nice piece of land that ranchers hold in common. Anyone who wants to can bring their cattle to graze. The tragedy is that no individual rancher is much motivated to try to preserve that land. In fact, every rancher has the incentive to bring more and more cattle to the pasture. So they're gonna to continue to add cow after cow until the pasture is overgrazed and destroyed. One way to demonstrate that is to run experiments like this one. This is now your property here. I assembled a group of people and told them, the circle is your shared land. You can furnish it with trees, people, whatever. And they did. Have a tree. Then I put some fake coins on their property and told them, each coin is worth a buck. But if you can leave it in there for a minute, I'll give you two bucks. Each minute, it doubles in value. If they can wait, they can make much more money. Do they wait? Ready, set, go. Nobody waited? There was no reason to wait. Someone else would just grab your coins. Let's change the rules of the game. I divided the land into segments, so each person had his own property. Then we played the game again. Same rules. Every minute, the value doubles, except you can only take coins from your property. Go. Nobody's doing anything. Why are you waiting? I want to reap the most benefit. You didn't wait last time. At that moment, I wanted it now, whereas this is going up and it's mine, you know? Exactly. When you own property, you take care to preserve it, to allow it to keep producing good things. But we pilgrims shared our land, so when the crops were ready to harvest, we did what these people did. Some of my neighbors sneaked out at night and grabbed extra food. Some picked corn before it was fully ready. The result? By the spring, our food stores were used up. The shortage of food was worse because of a second problem with the commons. When you share the results of your work, some people don't work hard. For it let an opportunity for some to take advantage and leave the work to others. Had that continued, Thursday would be known as Starvation Day. But fortunately, we were led not by Bernie Sanders or other commons-loving socialists, but by Governor William Bradford, who wrote in his diary, After much debate, I, William Bradford, assigned to every family a parcel of land. He did what I did here. The result? This had very good success, for it made all hands very industrious. We brought in a harvest that was more than enough to feed us. After such a success, we never returned to shared planting. Private property allowed us pilgrims to prosper and have that feast we read about in school. So this Thanksgiving, if you have a good meal, thank private property. Every day it protects us from the tragedy of the commons. There you go. Dave, what's remarkable is I, I had no idea if you were going to play that clip. It... it, it it's very good. It came, and it came exactly on the discussion that we were just yes. having. Yes, That's I had played it earlier because I was talking about the the myths that kids have been taught about uh, Thanksgiving. I mean, there's a lot of college kids that believe that it was genocide of indigenous people and that the white colonists killed off the Native Americans. That's all lies. I mean, it is all Frickin' lies. Well, all, the the point that Stossel is bringing out in that segment is very interesting because it speaks to whether 
a commune. That's the the, the root of communism. The right, Bernie the word Sanders com- concept. That's right. They call it socialism, but that's it's the same exact concept. Uh, whether a commune can exist, and the truth is, it can sometimes, and it usually, and it can't in many other circumstances. So you might say, "Wait, Rob, you're in favor of communes, communism? You know where communes work? That's what a family is. Yeah, right. A mom or mom and dad or 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 dad or dad and dad, a mom and mom, whatever combination. They go out, they bring home the bacon. Uh, in in uh, in um, in the Jewish families, it's pastrami. And uh, th- there was a little joke there, Dave. Try to pay attention. I'm listening. Right. Uh, um, uh, uh, Zach liked that. I- I'm getting the noise from the back room. Because I didn't know it was a joke. Th- there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they bring home the money, and everybody uh, gets to feast on those proceeds. Because communes work in family units uh, and in small non-family units. Because you care about the person next to you. Right. And of course, the left is, well, you should care about your fellow mankind. Not so much. We, we, it, this is not normative, meaning it's not what should be. It's what is descriptive. Sorry. We care about our families and we care about our families first. And so when priorities come in and the government wants to come in and say, we need to take more and more and more from you to give to so and so and so, such and such, and your families will have less and less, guess what? People don't like that. People don't like it at all. And and I don't blame them. I agree with that. All right. We will come back and finish it all up. For you who are big basketball fans over in the Maui Classic, Kansas right now trailing the Dayton Flyers 66-64 with 418 remaining in the game. Uh, Michigan State earlier beat uh, UCLA uh, 75-62. And uh, UNC uh, won against Alabama 76-67. That's final in the Atlantis battle that's going on in the Bahamas. All right, down to the last final minutes of the uh, Dave Ellswick show for a pre-Thanksgiving show. Tomorrow is the big day. Turkey, uh, some people like to have ham. I'm a turkey guy, although tomorrow... Uh, prime rib. It's Can't cool. wait. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to see how good uh, Kroger can cook prime rib. Well, I'm hopeful. They, I, I'm, I like Kroger's. I think they do a I nice job. I think we're going to have about 11 pounds of it. That's good. So all everybody will have plenty to fill their bellies. Let's put it that way. And we got the pumpkin pie, the, the pecan pie, the apple pie, the stuffing, the green bean casserole. You used the right term, that. stuffing. Yes. I'm from the north. You know, down here it's always the called dressing. Dressing, yeah. I I was raised up by oh, that's Chicago. Right. That's so right. That's right. It's, you know, stuffing up there. It's, well, if you go and buy it and you make it, it says stuffing on the box. Yeah, it says stovetop stuffing. That's because exactly people down right. here are telling me, well, if you make it in a pan, it's dressing. Not according to the box. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting because um, at my fellowship on Sunday, we was having this discussion. Do you call it dressing or stuffing? I said, that, well, you know, hey, if you're stuffing it, I suppose you call it stuffing. Yeah. You know? I, I call it stuffing even if you make it in the pan. Right. But you know what I said after that? I was like, you know what? But either choice, I don't want it. I am What? I'm not a fan. Oh, that ain't right. I'm a huge fan. I love it. Now, I will be honest with you, unless I know the person that is serving it and mm-hmm. knows what they're doing it, if it's in the bird, right. 
I won't eat it just because, because of, they may not have cooked it long enough or got it up to temperature. I see. And there can be concerns of like uh, salmonella or yeah. something. I see. And, and, and the way my, you know, my luck goes about stuff like that, I don't want right. to you know, get anything. What's right. your favorite uh, part of Thanksgiving meal? In terms of the food? Yeah. That's a tough call. I actually, unlike Zach, thank you very much. I love the stuffing and I love a good drumstick. Yeah, I know. You won't get a drumstick. No, but uh, listen. I can now, I can, we can sit and kind of form form the the prime prime rib into what looks like a drumstick if you want. The only reason I didn't mention prime rib is I've never had prime rib on Thanksgiving. I haven't either. This is something new for me. That's a big treat. This would be something new. Prime rib. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, prime rib is often the meal. Up north, when you go to like a catered wedding, mm-hmm. it's prime rib, and I love prime rib. I do too, yeah. especially if it's cooked right. That's right. Of course, you go over there. What What's the name of the the uh, steakhouse here on the west side of the city? I've uh, been there with Chris Corbett. And let yeah. me tell you what they do: prime rib, probably the best of mm-hmm. anybody mm-hmm. here. In the city, it's right. good. The chop or something, yeah, chop house, yeah, or something. Something chop like shop, that. chop shop, maybe something yeah. like that. I just know that they really, Al, the uh, proprietor over there, they cook that sucker all mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. long. Mm-hmm. And if they tell you it's going to be medium rare, or if they you know tell you it's rare, mm-hmm. it is exactly exactly that. as they yeah. say, right? They're right. they're they're medium rare. Uh, you can cut it with a fork. Mm-hmm. I like it, like it a lot. That's yeah, good. Lots of, lots of fat on it. Got to have fat on it. You know, it's good. What What's your favorite dish, Zach? I'm simple. I'm still a kid. I love the mac and cheese and ham. Mac and cheese with ham. It's not a bad choice. Okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. I kind of strange that I am, but I am a uh, green bean casserole guy. I like the green bean casserole a lot. You know, with uh, you know, with the uh, cream of mushrooms right, right, and all of that right. in it. Man, I can snarf that stuff now, down. Now, of course, it, it gives you the impression that it's healthy because it's got green beans. It is not. It is not. <laughs> it is not. There's nothing on a on a table typically That's right. at Thanksgiving that is healthy for you. I'm going to come over. I'm going to bring my angioplasty machine with me. Okay. You know, just so that you know, for <laughs> any bypasses, immediate bypasses that, that, you, that you have to have. Right. It was like that. You remember that skit on Saturday Night Live when they had the guys from Chicago and uh-huh. they, would, they would eat a big meal and they would have a heart attack and yes. then continue eating? Right. You know, that's that's kind of how I view Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's meal. how I am with mac and cheese. You could tell me I'm going to die if I eat another bowl of mac and cheese. But guess what? Goodbye, everyone. I'm going to eat this mac and cheese. Okay, so what game are you watching tomorrow on television? Are you watching Dallas? I watched that one and the Sunday, I would say Sunday night, Thursday night game between the Falcons and Saints, those two games. I got, we got 30 seconds. What's the problem with the Falcons? Coaching. Is it coaching? It's been coaching for the past two years, coaching. Okay. Because they got some talent. They got the talent. The, the, the quarterback is still very good. He's he's putting up big numbers. Two weeks ago or three weeks ago, they basically punked the Saints in the dome, and now they got them at home tomorrow night. All right, well, we got to see what happens tomorrow night. Then I'll watch Dallas tomorrow. They're playing whom? Somebody. The Bills. Yeah, they're playing Eight and three, and the Bills are not the pushovers they used to be. All right, everybody, have a great Thanksgiving. Have a happy get together. I hope you're getting together with family. If you're not, I hope you're getting together with some friends. 
and and uh, you know celebrating Thanksgiving. Robert will get together tomorrow afternoon along with some of my family, and we'll do prime rib. First time for that for an Ellswick, so I got to tell you that. I'll talk to you on Monday. That's when I'll be back. Best of show tomorrow and Friday. Have a great weekend. God See bless. you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.